0: Sports Podcast I said welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast with the welcome, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast I am your host Andy Ruther coming to you live from the Smut Studio in Venice Beach, California, with my co host on my left, Joey. No chill, Prano.
2: Good morning, Andy.
1: Good morning, Prano. And a big warm fuck you to Brian
2: Hoyer. Uh, if that's where you're starting? Yes, sir. How about Veterans Day? Happy Veterans Day. Uh, happy Veterans Day. Uh, anybody who knows me knows I support the vets. You Surely, should. They're, uh, you know, one of the backbones of this society. They they keep many safe and healthy. So for all you vets out there working on cats choking on things today, dogs coming in who had been hit by cars, keep up the good work. You're American heroes.
1: Wait, wait what?
2: It's vet's day.
1: You're making a veterinarian joke. Yeah, don't you don't you dare take a dig at vets, bro, bro. Come on. Why is that? It's gonna hit ho- close to home for me. <laughs> I got three veterans in my family.
2: But where, seriously, where were they when Vince was sick, Andy?
1: But but seriously, uh, where were they? Happy Veterans Day, and and I do want to say honestly
2: like no joke the the vet thing yesterday with the NFL, fucking broke me. I almost turned off fucking football. Well, hold on a second. But I want to say is, again,
1: all the people who have served, we actually do need to really treat better, not do what I call fake patriotism, faux patriotism, like the NFL does.
2: (laughs) You should avoid ever saying that word. You clearly didn't take French in high school. Faux Faux. patriotism. Faux, there you go.
1: Faux patriotism. Faux Patriotism. It's like Fox did a huge thing, which I thought was was cool to see for somebody who's been to West Point a bunch. Since my brother went to West Point. They did the pregame show at West Point, right? Because West Point's a beautiful campus. And then they show that Roger Goodell had donated $175,000 to Jay Glazer's veterans charity. And in my head, I'm like, okay, that's cool, $175,000. But then I'm also like, you make thirty million a year. The NFL makes billions a year. You could maybe donate a little more. That's all I'm saying. No. Am I being nitpicky?
2: Yeah, especially for all the uh, fa Patriots, as you call them out there, who are like, LeBron gave eighty million to schools. Woke dickhead. Now be more like fucking Goodell. Give one hundred and seventy-five grand to veterans. Buy one fucking pack of gum for everybody that's in fucking Afghanistan. So you agree with me? Yeah. I I was like the whole thing. Like, I know you have rallied for years on the pink fucking cleats and pink month and breast cancer month. Yesterday, I got everybody's got to wear camouflage. Everything's got to be about the fucking veteran. Like, it's football. Can I just watch football? Where are all the stick to sports people. Where are all the stick to sports people? Now is not the time for your political, duh, you kneeling on the sideline. Now is not the time for you to talk about Black Lives Matter. Now's the time to what? Do a full weekend commercial for fucking stealth bombers? Ugh, it's gross. I I almost turned off football yesterday. No, you didn't. You're
1: so dramatic. I,
2: I did. How many times did I text you about it?
1: Yeah, you texted me in the morning a few times.
2: I hate it. I think it's so trashy.
1: Well, we, we've we railed on this forever, though. Yeah. It, this is nothing new. Maybe they amped it up a little like this year. Like
2: when the Padres go with their camo uniforms on Sundays because there's a huge military base down there. That's cool. Like a little nod to like the majority of the people in our city are like mi- military families. And, you know, we respect... Cool. Great. The whole fucking day? Well, again, my, my issue is
1: how much money is actually donated. It's It was the same thing with breast cancer awareness, which they got rid of because they got called out so much. But people don't want to call out. Th- that's an area where people are not going to call out because uh, they're too scared to call out. But we'll call it out here. But anyway, I, I,
2: look. Just remember, if you're the Kaepernick hater, you don't want your politics and sports. The gigantic weekend-long commercial for the U.S. military that you just jerked off over. You. Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcasts.
1: You're just saying. Well, we just. We we don't like hypocrisy on our show. Yeah. The same way we railed against LeBron for his hypocrisy with China. But let's get to the important matter. Brian Hoyer and the Indianapolis Colts. I love
2: that this is like your headline game.
1: He ruined my survivor. Ruined it. $72,000 is currently available in my survivor poll. The poll went from 200, I believe, in. 263 people or 265 people down to 53 because the Saints lost, the Colts lost, and the Chiefs lost, which just killed my survivor. So now it's down to 53 people who are vying for 72 grand, which realistically is only $40 to buy in. Those 53 people could be like, hey, we're all going to make over a grand already. Why don't we just divvy this up now? Yeah. They could do that.
2: Yeah, but fifty-three. It's like you may as well. A couple more weeks, you get that down to twenty. Everybody makes a couple grand. Yeah. But you got to get fifty-three people to agree. That's I'm, I'm saying happen. I'm not yeah. saying they
1: should, but yeah. I'm saying y- you'd already make your money. But look, you want to give Fitz credit? It's that there's no Fitz credit in
2: this I'm not, game. I didn't want to give Fitz credit. I'm just saying you got Fitzed. I'm just saying you went into a survivor pool. You had. 14 games to choose from you went up against fitzpatrick why well, didn't have 14 and he pulled he pulled fucking a coin out of your ear i couldn't use certain teams like he i had get, already he used, just kept pulling handkerchiefs out of his sleeve he's like I, look at these handkerchiefs like how many do i have in here i had already used baltimore yeah
1: couldn't use them my thought process again was this and I said this on last episode. You agree with me. I'm not touching the Saints-Falcons game, division game. Falcons I mean, are coming We off-
2: both said we thought they could win the game, Exactly, and they did win the game.
1: The Falcons are coming off a bye. They can always play well under Matt Ryan. He has experience. Those guys always play each other tough. But in my head, I thought, okay, Brian Hoyer, just show up. He is awful. And this is a game, Joe, that they win if they have Jacoby Brissett.
2: Yeah. The uh, the Dolphins are also a team that a Super Bowl contender should beat every Sunday, every fucking Sunday, whether Twerks is playing quarterback for them or not. And hate to say it, but told you so. I
1: think this game is drastically different with Brissett.
2: Sure, great. Jacoby Brissett is better than Brian Hoyer. No, I don't think anybody would disagree with that. Brian Hoyer, I mean. I I went on a two and a half hour rant a couple years ago when they when the Texans decided to go with Brian Hoyer because how many chances does Brian Hoyer get like how long like people love to go oh Kaepernick was trash at what point was Brian Hoyer not trash that he just gets to hang around and hang around and hang around the Brandon Weedens of the world that get to hang around and hang around like there there's guys who have just been like grandfathered in for some reason they're white. Uh, to just being in the <laughs> NFL forever. I uh, I mean, look, I, again, we're now, you get to a certain point where it's not even about, oh, Kaepernick should be playing these games. It's three years removed from from playing football. But that being said, he would have done better than Brian Horton yesterday, correct? Three years removed from, from stepping on a football field? I mean Josh Johnson came in and won a game last year. 4 years removed from starting in a football from from playing in a football game.
1: I mean Hoyer didn't play bad against the Steelers. That's the problem with these type of backups. Where they'll play decent, they'll play where they can win a game like he did against the Steelers and then just play awful. He played awful. He was throwing to covered guys. Now I know he didn't have his two top receivers. But still you got to win that game. And you know what? I'll be honest. This is why I don't like to gamble. I'll, I'll just be fully honest. Because it affected my mood all yesterday. I was in the worst mood I've been all NFL Sundays this How whole season. How much
2: was buy-in in the Survivor Pool? It
1: was only $40.
2: Jesus Christ. It, it's, it's not is, about it's the like, money. It's like a trip to Tokoya if you get a fucking margarita with it.
1: It's not about the money. It's about that there was so much money that could possibly have been won,
2: and it's It's about... It's not about the money. It's
1: about the money I could have won. And it's about... You know what it's about for me? It's about losing that game. Like, my buddies... RIP to my two buddies, by the way. They had three teams left. They had Chiefs, Saints, and Colts. What do you mean? Because you can buy in multiple... Right. They had three left. Lost all three. I'm saying, if I lost the Chiefs game, if I had taken the Chiefs, I wouldn't feel as bad tough loss still on the road but to lose at home that's why I'm so mad and that's why I was in such a bad mood yesterday I was angry I was furious and that's why I don't gamble I don't want to be put in that mood I should be able to enjoy NFL Sunday
2: can't you know the the rule is don't bet money you can't afford to lose and then you're just gonna be like whatever well I could afford to lose it It's just Brian Hoyer is now my arch nemesis. Yeah.
1: My buddy said something interesting because we were texting about it. He said that of all the vices, apparently the highest suicide rate is people who gamble over like all the
2: drug vices. Well, I'm sure because it can go – it can happen so fast. Like, you know, there's not usually somebody who goes – I mean, obviously people OD. Yeah. But there's – you know, if you OD – if you go on tilt on drugs – U O D. If you go on tilt on gambling, and then next thing you know, you wake up, you double down, you double down, you're like, "Fuck, I got to go all in." And you just wake up and you have nothing. What what you know? What other options do you have? Yeah, a lot. A lot of times, you're letting down your family. You're letting down whatever. Like, trust me, I've been broke the majority of my life, and I've taken some big gambling swings. And I've had some hits, and I've had some misses. It gets rough. So I'm saying it affects your mood. Yeah, I mean, it's not for forty dollars, but. <laughs> You're fucking going full Goldberg here. $40. Boy, I'm $40. I'm going to have to drink just the budget brand cola for the rest of the week.
3: RC Cola until the end of November. I can't afford Coca-Cola.
1: Again, it's not about the $40. I wouldn't have been mad if you're I had like a kid. different you're game. Like the
2: kid from fucking What's it,
1: I want my $2. No, you're missed. God, you're, you're just totally miss fucking identifying the situation. I'm mad because there were seventy. There's seventy-two thousand dollars in this pot.
2: Stop and, saying it's not about the money, and then literally starting with the amount of money. <laughs>
1: that's my point. It's not about what I spent. Forty dollars is nothing, right? It's about the fact that the Saints lost suddenly forty-eight percent of the pool. That was the number because they showed the percentage. Forty-eight percent of my survivor pool gone, and I'm thinking, oh, God, give me some of that money, fam. And then Brian Hoyer lays an egg. Absolutely unacceptable. But whatever.
0: I've moved on. <laughs> Unbelievable. Not really. I uh, I just want to empathize with Andy here because I, too, got hoyered yesterday. <laughs> and uh, it really hurt. I'll admit because there was a game where you're just like, there's no way the Colts fucking lose this. The Dolphins are trying to lose at this point. And, of course, uh, it happened. Uh, at least the silver lining for me, though, is that the other team I was going to go with was the Rams. Who also lost? I didn't trust yeah. Jared Goff on the road.
1: Don't even get me started on that guy. Yeah,
0: and then uh, the my survivor league is down just to eight people, and the other six people chose the Saints, and then two chose the Colts. So we all got a free ride to next week. But what is the money at stake in your pool? Oh, not even close. There's no buybacks, so it's only it's only seven hundred bucks. Seven hundred. I'm talking seventy-two grand. Right, but it still hurts. It still hurts. to know like you picked a game that you. I got to say,
2: there's a, the, I already have issues with your pool, too. Now you're saying because everybody lost, they're just giving you guys all a free pass. If I was a guy who lost in week three, I'd be like, I only got one game wrong, too. Yeah, but I mean, if you only make it till week three, like, come on. But the point is, that's that's the point of a survivor pool, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. you only get one strike. Well, right.
1: I agree with Prano, and there's a lot of flaws in the one I'm in. The one I'm in started with 30 people. Obviously, yeah. it's out of control to be- get to that much money. The one I'm in, hold on real quick. The one I'm in, you can buy back up until the first six weeks. And the buyback in, the entry fee is $40. The buyback in uh, after week one would be $50. And the buyback in after week two would be 60 So it keeps adding, I think, $10 or maybe 20 which is great to grow that pot, but it also creates too many opportunities and chances. Well,
2: there, there, there's got to be a whole strategy then for that if you're a guy who's who's willing to buy in early, you can go, well, I'm going to pick teams. Like, I'm not going to pick the Patriots and the Ravens and whatever early on in the year because, like, I may as well save them for after the buy-in. Exactly. And that's what my
1: buddy was doing. But then he lost all three. I bet you the illegal gambling money in this country has got to be in the bill. You think it's in the billions on stuff like that? Uh,
2: Yeah, of course it is.
1: We should run our own survivor pool next year.
2: Every year, I'm like, we should do this, BJ. You. You're like, fucking buzz don't do better. You like rage on like ever setting up a fantasy thing or a fucking pick'em league or a survivor pool. I don't, I
1: don't rage on that. I just it's it's a lot of work to run it. I, I know the guy who runs the one I'm in, and to me, that's nothing, dude. He's dude, imagine the amount of checks he deals with. He deals with personal checks. I think he takes, yeah, that's like,
2: fucking stupid. It, you do a survivor pool, you set it up on fucking Yahoo. You tell you give people their Vemos. If their Venmo's not in by fucking week one, you're out. How hard is it? Twerks will do it.
1: He did he did do that through PayPal last year, and they uh like they flagged him. There's just too much money coming in. Make gambling the, the silver lining is to make gambling legal across the board. So we can just do these things everywhere. But we're talking about Hoyer. I want to talk about another awful quarterback. You mentioned him. Jared Goff. This Jared Goff situation is just a strict disaster at this point. Uh,
2: I think it's a combo. It's I think a disaster. It's a, I think it's a combo issue, though. Like I'm not pull it, putting it fully on golf. McVeigh has not really, like McVeigh came out and built this offense that works. People have figured him out, and he's not adjusting. He is not evolving. He is not putting new wrinkles in every week, every year even. I feel like this is the same offense that the Rams have been running for three years, and now, yes, that's on Jared Goff a little bit because maybe McVay goes, hey, he's got a hang of it. I'm not going to add new – this guy, you know, he can't even call audibles at the line. He doesn't know where the sun rises. I'm not going to fucking add wrinkles. Yeah. But I'm putting this on both of those guys together. He – as a as the head coach of the Rams and a guy who obviously isn't going anywhere for a while uh he made his bed with Jared Goff like he he got married to Jared Goff he gave he had to clearly okay that money i'm sure the Rams ownership was like this is your guy for a long time yeah all right let's give him whatever that absurd amount of money is you have to be able to evolve Jared Goff was able to be successful in the offense Previously, when guys were wide open, which is what I've always said about Goff. It's like he's not bad in that he's unable to throw accurately, but he's never once made the difficult throws. And for so long, he didn't have to. And for so long, it was all set up by the run with Gurley. It was all the play action. You know, we've talked, you know, at length about play action being sort of the the new fucking drug of the NFL. Like, oh, if you can set it up with the play action. Like, it's it's a cheat code. They don't have Gurley at his best anymore. And honestly, McVeigh hasn't evolved. I think the Rams, again, we've talked about it. The Rams are in a bad situation moving forward. Very with bad. With the money committed to both of those guys. Very and bad. And McVay, honestly, in my opinion, sort of hitting a wall from a coaching standpoint. I see your point about McVeigh. I
1: just don't understand. We're talking
2: about the offense that was dominating
1: last year. Yeah. They just can't score. They can't score at all. If you watch that Steelers game, they cannot score. And it is absolutely wild to think that they gave Jared Goff $110 million guaranteed when, let's not forget, his numbers dipped significantly the last six games of last season, and then also in the playoffs.
2: And you know, I, I'm I'm very critical of of Andy Reid as a as a head coach because Andy Reid always gets us to uh, get gets gets people to a certain point, gets teams to a certain point, and I don't like Andy Reid's clock management. I don't like Andy Reid in a you know, head to head coaching matchup with the best coaches. But when you look at what Andy Reid does, no matter where he has been, he finds a way to have great offenses regardless of his personnel. That's why
1: I think he's a great coach.
2: Yeah. But, and again, I don't love Andy Reid in a head to head matchup when you come down to playoff time with some of the best coaches. Obviously, that offense last year, you know, the, the, Belichick Patriots have stopped him multiple times in the Super Bowl, in the AFC Championship game last year, et cetera, et cetera. But my point is McNabb, Detmer, Jeff Garcia, Mahomes, Alex Smith, it doesn't matter who you put in. He makes it work around what he has. The offense is completely different with with Mahomes than it was with Alex Smith. He took it. He added wrinkles that – include hey my quarterback is a fucking cannon so now that whole alex smith mobile rollout thing extend those routes and let this guy just fucking huck it there's only so long you can cover a guy and we see that in the chiefs games all the time these guys running like literally like 45 yard ins. like what what the fuck Who, that's not that's not on the passing tree yeah. you know what i mean so the the problem with McVeigh is I just don't see him evolving with the personnel he has, with the defense he has, with the offense. Like, he has not made adjustments to his personnel over the years. He had Gurley dominating, and he's building everything off the run, and now Gurley's a shell of himself, and suddenly they're not the same team.
1: Well, he needs to change. The backs are against the wall. They're 5-4. and four. They got a tough road ahead. They get the Bears Sunday night football. I mean, you
2: talk about a, like a, a potential, like, fast peak, like... McVay comes in, turns around the team, makes him a contender, takes them to the Super Bowl, loses. Now they might miss the playoffs the so next year. like that. And, and they have money, super money committed to two players on their offense who are, one is, you know, obviously has an injury issue and one of them has an evolution issue. It's a bad spot to be in, man. I agree. I 100% agree. It's not a good
1: situation, especially as they move into a new stadium. I mean, the numbers don't lie. I quote tweeted this because a dirtball sent this to me. Jared Goff's last 16 games. Here's a little rug-nug from uh, this guy tweeted from football perspective. His last 16 games, Prano, he's completed 63% of his passes for 4,200 yards, 17 touchdowns, 16 interceptions,
2: 28 sacks, and 16 fumbles. But again, and and I'm not the biggest – I – you know, I coined the Jared Goff's the medium pizza, right? Like, I'm never, I've never been a big Jared Goff fan. That being said, there was a time when Jared Goff was playing incredible. Th- this is this is the same point I made. You know, when you, when you talk about sort of the the Eli Manning, the Phillip Rivers, the, like it is. He didn't just become bad at football. He didn't just become washed. I know, but hold on right? a second. So what is the what would you say the issue is here? Well, the issue. Jared Goff is not regressing, but you've he's already, just not but progressing. On. You've already
1: touched you touched on it earlier. The issue is if you watch Rams games, if you watch them this year versus last year, the issue with Goff is he can't. If a guy is covered well, he can't connect with him. He needs to hit the guy wide open. Okay, take for example last night's Sunday night game. There were multiple passes that were very impressive I felt with Dak Prescott. Obviously Amari Cooper is just he is amazing.
2: But I have seen Dak Prescott progress. I have seen I have not seen Jared Goff progress. But that's my point. But I I think I think what a lot of people put in this is like look, he's regressing as a player, which I don't necessarily think he is. I just think teams have figured him out in terms of their offense and now he's like I don't have guys wide open anymore and that's why I've never been a big golf fan. I put this more on McVay. You, if if you're going to tie yourself to this guy for all the money and all the years, you better continue to be ahead of everybody else that you're coaching against and go, I'm always going to get guys wide open. Because at no point up until they signed this deal did he make a great throw. I mean, and by great throw, I mean like consistently. Every once in a while, everybody's going to make a great. You don't get into the NFL if you don't have the ability to make a great throw. But he was never throwing guys open. You like it was never the golf dime. It was like, oh my God, look Cooper, look Cooper Cups look, running wide open. How did he get so open? And they have Cooks has been hurt. They've got Gurley is a shell of himself. Like the O line's
1: not good like yeah, it used to be again.
2: My I put more of this on McVeigh than I do Goff because I don't think you have to be an incredible... I don't think you have to be fucking running John Gruden's quarterback camp to say Jared Goff was never an elite quarterback in the NFL.
1: Well, the, have you seen a comparison everyone's saying? I don't know if I'm fully there yet because he has won a couple playoff games. Andy Dalton 2.0. I'm not going to go that far because... I, I see where people are going with that. I'm not. Here's why I'm not going to go that far. Andy Dalton has never won a single playoff game. Andy Dalton has an abysmal record in prime time. Jared Goff has still had some amazing
2: prime time games. So I'm not going to go that far yet. You know, I I think I think that comparison is unfair on a lot of different levels. First of all, Andy Dalton wasn't the fucking second overall pick or whatever. first. Yeah, first overall pick. Yeah. Um. Andy Dalton came in... Second round. In the second round, he came in as a guy like, hey, let's see what he can do. He wins the job. He's a He played really well for a really long time. Yeah, did he step it up in primetime games and in big playoff games? No, he didn't. But also, not really fair to compare Andy Dalton to Andy Dalton on the Cincinnati Bengals to this Rams team that has gone all in on getting guys to surround Goff with and McVay the genius... Like, I know there's still Marvin Lewis defenders out there, especially with what's happening in Cincinnati now. But, like, Marvin Lewis is a fucking joke. You know what? It's
1: interesting you bring that up. I sent this to you and Tug. And I'm not turning into a Marvin Lewis defender.
2: But Jay Glazer... But those teams were built on defense. And they had great offense because they had great personnel. But, like, those were defensive teams. Because J- Marvin J- Lewis is a defensive coach. But Jay Glazer, he wrote
1: something. Here's an excerpt from something he wrote in The Athletic discussing the Bengals situation and will Zach Taylor remain the coach and blah, blah, blah. And uh, Jay Glazer highlights everything I've said, how big of a disaster they are as Mike Brown is the GM. They have no GMs. And he said, you know, Lewis should get a freaking Nobel Peace Prize for what he did in that place. I will say this much about Lewis. Now that he's been brought up, the Bengals were so bad before him. Again, I'm not defending him, but we're talking about a team that didn't even make the playoffs from 1991 until 2005. Lewis takes over in 2003. They went they were two and fourteen the year before. Then they go eight and eight. His third year, they make the playoffs. He gets them in the playoffs five times. Now he wasn't the guy then to put them
2: over the edge. That's why I thought they needed to make a change. Yeah, great. If if Marvin Lewis was a NBA coach or MLB coach. Fantastic. The guy deserves props. This is a Super Bowl or bust league. He got out coached multiple times in playoff games. He he never built a true contender I'm, ever. Look, I'm not defending him, but well, I'm, I'm I know, but I'm saying, look, you're you're also p- comparing him to a rookie coach whose only qualifications to be a head coach in the NFL is that if you take out Zach and you just call him Coach Taylor, he reminds you of fucking Friday Night Lights. It's literally the only, his qualifications. Like, man, we got ourselves a Coach Taylor. Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, I would love him as the Bengals' new coach. I,
1: you know, if he became if if Coach Taylor from Friday Night Lights became the Bengals' head coach, I'm honestly, ba- I'm back at this end.
2: point. You know, coming off the Dalton thing, Tammy Taylor should be the coach. Just go, just ride that ginger magic.
1: Oh yeah, she considered a ginger.
2: I think so, right? Total milf. Yeah. What's the What's the daughter doing these days? I don't know. She was the worst, though, huh? Was she the worst character on the whole show? Yeah, but I think she's pretty hot.
1: She's like the type of girl who hides her great body. I feel
2: well because she started on the show as a child. <laughs>
1: Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't she, t- was like, she was like 14 don't turn when the me show into- started. I know I got the mustache. But don't you're t-
2: talking about the older daughter, right? Not the baby daughter. Yeah. Like, look at that baby daughter. <laughs> Those chubby elbows. Man, this is getting dark right yeah. Well, We have a lot to talk about, obviously. I mean, rank rank the chicks on... Uh, I know you're, big, you're a big what's-her-name fan. Minka Kelly. You love Minka Kelly. Oh, yeah. she's. I think she's gorgeous. She, you Would you put her number one? I'd put Minka Kelly number one. And then, and then do you go the MILF? You love uh oh, yeah, you know it. What's her name? The fucking tall chick. Tara? Yeah.
1: What's her what's the actor? that's her name on the show, right? Yeah.
2: It's like Lipinski or whatever, fucking you know, she has one of those Insky names.
1: Twerks, you gotta look up uh Friday Night Lights. I don't I don't know if I'd put the uh Mrs. Taylor's number two. I might. But I've always had a thing for like older women at times. Who do we got here?
0: So, who are the
1: girls you guys are talking about?
0: I see, uh, Ms. Taylor. I see. What's her name in real life? Uh, Connie Britton. Yeah. Connie Britton. Okay. And then there is Adrian Palicki. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Tyra. And Tyra. Minka yeah. Kelly, who M- plays Lila. Yeah. And then Amy T. Garden, who plays Julie.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, dude, I'm telling you, Amy T. Garden. I bet you banging body, real life. She covered that thing up, man. She was not. How old is she? Don't make me look like a creeper. How uh, old is Amy T. Garden?
0: Amy T. Garden. Is I mean, the show came out like, let me what? see this real quick. I didn't start
1: watching it until- 12 till years ago? No, no, no. I didn't start watching it until
0: a couple years ago. Let's see. She's- um. What year was she born? She is, I think, 30 now. She was born in 89. Yeah, so I'm not a creeper, dude. She
1: was probably 21 on that show.
0: Yeah, she's like 29 or 30. He's not telling me right now. Yeah, so don't turn me into this what, weird when pedophile. Did the, when, did the, when did Friday Night Lights start, Twerks? So she starred as Julie Taylor from well, when, did this, when did the show start? 2006,
1: 2011. I so that's
0: not bad. She Two sef- 2006 is 13 years ago. She was
1: 17, dude. Sorry. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was talking about the latter years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah Friday Night
0: Star <laughs> started in 2006.
2: So rank them four. You got to go. You got to go here. It, those four, the big four, the big four of uh, Friday Night Lights. Uh Minka Kelly. Connie Britton,
1: ooh, people are gonna hate me for this. I might go, I might go, I might go the next Taylor, Julie Taylor. Wow, she's got But see, I like more of that girl next door look, and you don't.
2: Yeah, I'm going Tyra, tall Tyra. Let's go. Let's make volleyball children. Then I'm going Mink Kelly. Then I'm going the mom, and then honestly, I might go Landry before I go the fucking daughter. Me and Landry can have a fucking th- murder that pussy together. <laughs> Cuz Landry murdered somebody on the show.
1: Yeah. So, I don't know if you guys saw <laughs> that. And and then he he came back in uh El Camino. Did you watch that?
2: I didn't No. He's a good actor though.
1: He is. As much as we want to talk Friday Night Lights, we have so much to cover this show. But a quick announcement. We're discussing, J.R. Goff. You and I will be live YouTube streaming Sunday Night Football this week. The Pizza Hut Medium Pizza Bowl. The Bears travel to L.A. We talked about going to the game and handing out media pizzas, medium pizzas. But instead, we are going to live broadcast our commentary on YouTube, Sunday Night Football, Bears at Ram's. And I had an idea. I said, "How about I order multiple medium pizzas from a few different establishments? And while we're calling the game, we also do some like some sort of like a taste test."
2: Okay, of what you're saying, of multiple pizzas.
1: Yeah. Okay.
2: So, Not like the Pizza Hut medium pizza bowl.
1: So, well, none of those people would give us money until they give us money, right? So we order one medium pizza from. Papa John's, one medium pizza from Pizza Hut, one medium pizza from Domino's, and then we compare on the broadcast which medium pizzas we like the best. And by the way, I, th- you, you know, at this point we don't, we're not even sure the status of Goff and Trubisky personal pan pizza. I think we've discussed that at this point, right? Okay. I don't know
2: if they're medium pizzas. We'll, we'll break it. We'll break it all down. What was that Sunday Night Football?
1: Sunday Night Football. Yeah. So subscribe to us on YouTube so you get that alert. Um, and other quarterbacks, probably one of the rougher ones to watch was Baker Mayfield versus Josh Allen yesterday.
2: That was real tough. Yeah, it was a rough game, but your boy Mayfield pulled it out. He did. Everybody was like, "How are how are the Browns favored in this game? How are the Browns favored in this game?" And they won they won that game.
1: We called it. They yep. e- they eked it out. It wasn't pretty.
2: You know I have a Hulu curse theory now. Yeah, no, I've I, I saw that yesterday. I think there's validity to that. Who are all the Who are all the people? The main people that I see, and this again, is, now there's it goes across sports. There's basketball guys as well, right? But,
1: but I just kept it to football. Yeah, I said the Hulu curse. The main people I see, and I don't know if they have different NFL players for different regions. The main people I see on my TV commercials are, of course, number one is Baker Mayfield. I see a lot with Todd Gurley and Saquon Barkley. Those are the three. All three have been cursed this year. Yeah, Barkley gets hurt. The other two are not having good years. The Hulu Has Live Sports is a curse. Some have said, is it competition for the Andy Ruther curse?
2: I mean, if if Saquon like, ends up in a coma, the Andy Ruther curse is strong.
1: I ended the Golden State Warriors.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you ended an entire dynasty.
1: Yeah, you're welcome, everybody. Um, I want to revisit the Khalil Mack trade for a second. Okay. The Raiders are playing good. The Bears won yesterday. But I think we all owe John Gruden an apology. For the trade? I just think we all made fun of him. We're guilty on this show as well. Sure. The Bears didn't win a playoff game last year. We see how Trubisky's playing this year. Obviously, he had a much better game yesterday. But my point is this. If the Bears don't make the playoffs this year, and the Raiders do... We were wrong about that trade. Josh Jacobs is gonna be rookie of the year.
2: Well, I mean, the trade you know, it's always tough. It's like who won the Palgasol Marcusol Memphis Lakers trade? The Lakers did. The Lakers did because they got a couple championships out of it? Hands down. Now, the Memphis Grizzlies keep Pau Gasol, and what happens? You know what I mean? Like the Memphis Grizzlies improve by getting younger and getting Marcusol, right? who was the center of their franchise for a decade following that, right? Like, in essence, both teams won the trade. You can you can look at this and say, we were wrong in making a—and everybody was in making a joke that you give up Khalil Mack. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, this trade works out for—like, the Bears are nothing without a defense, and the bears now having an offense that's letting them down and having a quarterback that's letting them down it, it is it, it's essentially kind of ruined the defense but your your goal is as as that bears team to compete immediately they win the division last year they've got they've got a great defense like i, I mean i don't know again i'm not saying I, I, again, the Raiders want the trade. I agree. we everybody that says, "Oh, this is a joke." We're wrong. But, but like this, the same thing could sort of be said about the Cowboys Raiders trade. Everybody mocked the Cowboys for giving up all they did for Amari Cooper. It's a good point. They've been significantly better. Cooper's been great, and the Raiders win because they get the draft picks.
1: No, I agree, and that is a good point. Everyone mocked the Cowboys. They showed the numbers last night during Sunday Night Football. Dak Prescott's numbers before and then after Cooper. He is. He is amazing. Those catches that Amari Cooper made last night, where he's dragging his toes, he he's underrated, I
2: think. For how and, he, and he's underrated how because of how he played on the on the Raiders. But like you know, it begs the question. Obviously, the Raiders and John Gruden felt they needed a lot of help. But you look at what Cooper has done on the Cowboys, and you're like, yeah, you use that draft pick to get. Blah, 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 blah. But, like, if Cooper is uh, who he was, who he is on the Cowboys, on the Raiders, they're also really good. You know what I mean? Yeah. They don't have a fucking lights-out number one. Yeah. So, like, I think it was essentially a great trade. Both of those trades worked out perfectly for the Raiders because they're starting over. They're starting the rebuild. They're trying to build toward Vegas. I mean, I think everybody definitely shit on Gruden. But at the same time, like, the Cowboys have definitely improved with Cooper. And you can't say that the problem with the Bears is the Khalil Mack-led defense.
1: No, of course not. Nobody would say that.
2: It's just they had a window. They, you know, they had a window with a quarterback on a rookie deal. That window's closing because Trubisky is not improving. Uh, Nagy is supposed to be this offensive genius. He never got them to that that spot. He he never got their offense playing the way McVay got Goff and the Rams' offense playing. And if they did with that defense last year, they could maybe they win the Super Bowl. But these windows close real fast, real
1: fast. And I think yesterday had so many upsets. Who's the dominant team? That's what I want to address right now. Who is the dominant team? in the NFL. The Patriots just got smacked last week by the Ravens. The Saints got sm- I mean, they got destroyed. They had three field goals at home in the dome in New Orleans. They get destroyed.
2: Well right now, like, the Ravens. Your Ravens are the dominant team.
1: The Ravens are the dominant team. Yeah. Behind Lamar Jackson.
2: Yeah. But but I, I, I still think I still think you've just got to look at you've got to look at you, you need a group of contenders and, and everybody else. And we've seen it a million times in the NFL. So who's it's, that list? It's all about who gets hot in the playoffs, who gets healthy in the playoffs. A lot of teams build. You know, th- There's a million different strategies on, on playing certain guys uh, 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 at different health levels. The smart teams go, first things first, make the playoffs. Second thing, be healthy to compete in the playoffs you know, continue to add wrinkles to your offense, to your defense throughout the year so that you're building at this pace. The Ravens are certainly doing that. And you can't, you know, you can be critical of Lamar Jackson all you want and say, oh, he's a running back or blah, blah, blah. blah. And I am that guy. Uh, I am not, I, I think Lamar Jackson is, you know, honestly, maybe the MVP right now. But you look at it and you go, it's just like... This could be the year that tur- everything changes, but like it just doesn't seem like it's something that you go doesn't work four weeks in a row or three weeks in a row if they if they end up getting a bye. And yes, they beat the shit out of the Patriots last week. But man, I, I I'd love to see Bill Belichick's record against teams that beat him in the regular season when they play in the playoffs. Well, I want to see him live.
1: I think that'd be fun. We got to go see Chiefs-Rams last year, and seeing Mahomes live was pretty awesome. This year, the Ravens come out to L.A. Monday Night Football, the night before my birthday, November 25th, at L.A. Coliseum. I have reached out. You will be out of town. I have reached out to your fill-in, Mr. Tug Coker, for Monday Night Football, November 25th, L.A. Coliseum. I already looked at tickets on SeatGeek. The only place you should be getting your tickets for NFL games, guys, SeatGeek. What I love about the tickets on SeatGeek for the Rams game is that they're not crazy expensive. So it was $55 on SeatGeek. Monday Night Football, Rams, Ravens, November 25th. Guys, SeatGeek is great because it puts all the tickets into a pool for millions of, you know, these goddamn sirens. Sorry, it just th- it throws off the whole ad
2: read. It's Venice. No one can hear it. Keep going. Okay. So see that those sirens are the alarm going off saying, if you want cheap
0: tickets.
2: (laughs) Go on. Those are the SeatGeek sirens.
1: Go on SeatGeek. That's a good recovery. SeatGeek will even give you ten dollars off on your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is use our promo code. So download the SeatGeek app and use promo code dirty today. That's D-I-R-T-Y for ten dollars off on your first purchase. That's promo code dirty for $10 off on your first purchase. And yeah, the Coliseum, man. I'm thinking the last two games I can probably go to are going to be Ravens and then Seahawks. Cuz then their last In home In
2: the Coliseum, you're saying? Yeah, cuz
1: then their last home game I'll be out of town.
2: you should go to both of them.
1: I think I am. And I'm going to use seek so who are your who are your Super Bowl contenders then? I know we keep changing this and we keep discussing it, but I just nobody. This is what to me
2: to me the teams that like to me the teams that I truly believe could win the Super Bowl this year. The Patriots, the Packers, the Saints. The Chiefs' defense is really suspect, but I still think I'm out. I I'm still, out. I still think the Chiefs. Nope could win the Super Bowl. I don't love them right now and I and and Andy Reid has never shown me anything that says he can get a defense right. They're just so goddamn explosive. They're 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 on the fence to me. They're climbing the fence of Super Bowl contenders. The Ravens. And
1: oh, you're on the Ravens now cuz you earlier said they were not contenders.
2: I they're also on the fence for me like the way they're playing they are doing. They are doing what a lot of other teams aren't doing, including the Rams, including you know the Bears. Is they're evolving. The I know you're critical of Lamar Jackson. And I think a lot of people are of the style of play. And to me, I still actually don't think I would be more critical of the long-term uh, ability to do to just say, "Hey, we're gonna play this strategy for a decade." Yeah. Uh, to me that's just I mean it, it just you it's ne- literally never happened. Sure. Where you have a quarterback that's running like this and staying healthy. But they're evolving and this season, this season could they do it? Yeah. I don't love it. They're to me not ahead of the Packers or the Saints or the Patriots on my list. And then of course, you got San Francisco who I have been critical. i it much like Goff in in his early days. Like Garoppolo has made some great throws, but I haven't seen Garoppolo with his back against the wall. Go like, oh man, they, they put this drive on Garoppolo, and Garoppolo delivered. But tonight is a huge test. Well, tonight, Monday night, prime time, Seattle division game. It, Pete Carroll, I'm sure he's been studying Garoppolo for fucking a long time. It's an even bigger test because Kittle is not playing. Right. And that's his go-to guy. But coaching, running, defense, quarterback. The the only question mark I have about San Francisco is exactly what is Garoppolo. Well. I think he's competent for sure.
1: Before tonight's game. And I thought he looked they,
2: great in the Arizona game. They're
1: the best team in the NFL in my opinion. Pending tonight's game. All of that could change. I think up to this point, The San Francisco 49ers are the most complete
2: team, in my opinion. Look, the the Green Bay Packers hit a speed bump last week against the Chargers. First-year head coach doesn't give, you know, I'd love what first-year head coaches have ever won a Super Bowl. But when you consider their defense playing the way it is, the way they run the ball, Aaron Rodgers' ability to take over games solely on his own, I'm still on this I'm still on this Packers team, I'm a believer in the Packers team.
1: I'm if, not if the I'm rec- not there yet. I'm not near okay. that on the Packers. I'm just not. I'm not there yet. I'm big on the 49ers again. We'll see what happens. They might lay an egg tonight. Tonight's a true test for them. But the reason I bring all this up is I feel this is a rare year where you're like, man, these teams are dominant. Like last year, the Chiefs were dominating. The Rams were dominating. The Bears' defense was dominating. Yeah. This is one of those years where you're like, oh, you could lose that game. Right. Like the Saints coming in seven and one. Like, think about that. The Saints are seven and one. They get destroyed at home. Right. That's very rare to see something like that. I'm, and and I'll tell you what, man. The Vikings showed up last night. We're not talking about them, but we should. The Minnesota Vikings showed up. Kirk Cousins showed up. I mean, I picked them to win that game. You did. The play calling, the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, my God. Zeke is doing nothing the whole game, and then you run the ball like that at the end. I just
2: don't get it. I mean, at what point has Jason Garrett given you any confidence as a head coach?
1: It's just It just doesn't make sense that he was so quick to fire someone like Jimmy Johnson, who won a Super Bowl.
2: I'm sorry, won two. But that was that. I know that was personal. Yeah, and it's 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 honestly kind of precisely the reason that Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett is no threat to Jerry Jones. He is a Jerry Jones puppet. We've discussed this. He's a cock. Yeah. He
1: walk you walk in and you're banging his wife. He starts clapping. You're like, what?
2: And and I know everybody's on, oh, the offenses look so good, and Kellen Moore and whatever. Like, Jason Garrett is a quarterback in the NFL who went to Princeton. He's a smart guy. He's an offensive guy. You can give Kellen Moore all the credit you want, but that's like Jason it's still Jason Garrett's team and Jason Garrett's offense. Yeah. I agree and and honestly when you come down the stretch in games i'm assuming if you're an offensive head coach you have input on what you're running on 4th and 5 on 3rd and 1 like when when the game is on the line right he's got to be making those calls run or pass yeah and and even the pass on the final play why are you why are you throwing an out to zeke I mean,
1: look—the matchup was Zeke on a linebacker, which I don't—I don't hate
2: that matchup. Honestly, if I'm gonna, if I'm, if my idea is let's get Zeke the ball and a matchup with a linebacker for a chance to win the game, then throw him the ball and make him make that linebacker miss out of the backfield. I know I know what you're saying—not an out, not a sideline out. I get it. I get what you're saying. That, look, the Cowboys to me are just not that good. Yeah, the Cowboys to me. I look at this game and I go, well, Kirk Cousins can't win against good teams and Kirk Cousins can't win in primetime. And Kirk and I go, Kirk Cousins is going to win this game because I don't think the Cowboys are a good team. Well, They're the, good, but they're not like, how good are they? Are well, they going to win the NFC East? Well, last night's game. Do the Cowboys make the playoffs, yes or no? Yes.
1: I so still, you think they
2: win the NFC East? I do.
1: I think they win that division still. I, I th- Last night's game, though, to me is a microcosm of the Jason – Garrett era where even in that game they fall behind early 14 nothing they come back to take a lead they they're very up and down his entire era as a coach there's been zero consistency that's always been the problem with the Cowboys under Jason Garrett just a lack of consistent play and
2: they I mean offensively the talent that they have I mean they have two good tight ends they have how many good fucking receivers?
1: I mean, all those guys are good. Cobb, Gallup, like let's like Cobb,
2: Gallup, C- Cooper. Cooper, You got. I mean, come on. You got uh, fucking Zeke in the backfield. You got Witten and uh, the the other tight end who's yeah. really good. Um, like the, you have a good offensive line. Dak is definitely improved. Dak, he is. Dak is progressing. He is. The defenses don't stop anybody on on either of those teams yesterday. Both offenses are doing what they want. And then at the end, you like, how are we not talking about the fair catch call? Yeah. You have you have fifteen yards. How but how many seconds there was like forty seconds left in the game? Forty six seconds or something no, like that? No, there wasn't that much. Okay. How much time is there it left? Like, it was
1: like was like twenty nine seconds. Okay. Whatever the case is. Twenty six seconds.
2: You're, and you're punting at a short field, yeah. And you're punting it to Tavon Austin. Like, did no one see the Deshaun Jackson walk-off punt return? Like, you would almost think our strategy here is absolutely to get a good punt return. Well, both announcers agreed. Even but, if he runs it straight
1: ahead, he gets it about twelve, but my minimum twelve is, yards.
2: My point is, forget, forget what would have happened on the play. Forget the blocking. Forget he had a lane. Forget the sideline. Why is he getting the fair catch under all cir- all circumstances call in that moment at all? I don't know.
1: It wasn't a good play.
2: That's the he- that's on the head coach. Yeah. Why have Tavon Austin be your punt returner if you're going to ever fair catch in that situation? Yeah. Well, I want to
1: say one more thing about. The NFL and then we'll move on and we'll bring in Coach O, because I know Coach O is chomping at the bit to get on the line to discuss Bama's huge win. Or I'm sorry, LSU's huge win over Bama. We need to figure out this referee situation.
2: I I, I mean I mean look a disgrace. We do this every year. But this year is a whole other it is taken on I cannot believe the people because I've tweeted multiple times about this pass interference call situation, and and just the fact that everything is now reviewable, but referees refusing to change, I can't believe how many people defend it, well, going like, "Well, you know, these guys are not going to be make fools of themselves by changing their calls in 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 three play." Go, honestly, nothing is more embarrassing. Look, I'm a guy who you have to twist his arm. To say, I was wrong. But when there's video evidence that I am wrong, I'm taking L's. Well, ignore
1: ignore the peanut gallery for a minute. Let's just discuss what we, you and I see. And what I see is not even just admitting when you're wrong on the pass interference reversal calls. But just calls, and I tweeted this out yesterday. And I don't want to, this should not be understated. These missed calls or these poor calls or these roughing the passer calls or just blatant errors like we saw in the Lions game where, was it Holiday moves the ball about a yard and a half and the refs do nothing. Guys, these calls are affecting people's jobs, people's livelihoods, billions of dollars in gambling and people being fired hired i'm being i'm being 100% there's just some, there's just, dead serious there's
2: just some things that i'm sick of hearing i'm sick of hearing that's not reviewable i'm sick of hearing the call on the field was this i'm sick of hearing this challenge the coach already challenged it like if we have the technology and we've opened the can of worms that we're doing it then just get the fucking call right i was always in favor of the college rule. You call it a catch, you can't review it. You call it a fumble, you can't review it. But once you open the can of worms and you say, we're going down this thing where we can review whether or not the ball came out before his knee hit the ground, whether or not it was pass interference. Like, the NFL overcorrects, but then they get themselves into this situation where they are in an even worse situation. So last year, we have this call, or non-call, in the Rams-Saints game and everybody goes. This is why this needs to be reviewable. Literally, in the history of the NFL, the NFL is a hundred years old. We're changing whether or not you can review pass interference because a once in a century blown no call. And now we've changed the rule, and we've made it challengeable, and we've made it reviewable. And now the re- so instead of just saying, "Hey, man." There was a real bad no-call one time in 100 years of football that affected who went to the Super Bowl. Sometimes you got to take your lumps. That guy fucked up. He's been fired. He's been fined. He's been whatever. He's apologized. We admit that it was blown, and we're going to do our best not to have it happen. Instead, what you do is you change a rule, and now week in and week out, we need to see the ref show where refs go into a booth put on headphones, watch themselves make a wrong call, come back out and say, I have reviewed it, I have seen with indisputable indisputable evidence that I've made a wrong call and I'm sticking with my call. You're embarrassing yourself as a league. It Then it, it gets into the point where you're going, who's pulling the strings here? How do refs decide when something should or should not be called? It is a joke. It's a joke.
1: But again, not only what you're saying is true, I'm trying to look at the big picture. We're talking about lots of money.
2: But I'm talking about the legitimacy of sport. I'm talking about I'm talking about. But, but, but that's part of it. That's my point. Yeah, but the money money aside, I'm watching I'm trying to watch a competition of athletes. If you are involved personally emotionally in the outcome of one single play because you made the call and you as a person can't put your ego aside and say i was wrong this call has to be changed you're ruining the legitimacy of sports well you're ruining the legitimacy of the entire league you're now going this is not fair play
1: i mean that's true I I don't want to underestimate, or, you know, I I really don't want to underestimate how big of a problem this is. This This is a serious, you you know what this is? I'm just going to use this analogy. This would literally be like planes crashing all the fucking time. You'd be like, dude, I'm not getting in a fucking plane. This is that big of a problem right now, guys, because he's right. With technology, with social media, the microscope
2: has now been just, just shined on all this stuff and it's the problem with changing the rules the first thing that happened when they changed the rule people are gonna go what's gonna happen on pass on hail mary's hail mary's are just full of pass interference don't change the rule don't change it because now you're gonna put yourself in a situation where you go here is the word for word definition of the rule and it happened on this play but we're not doing it it's You're like, you're putting yourself in a terrible, terrible situation where now you're saying, we know the rules. We have seen this broke the rules, but we have decided, I have decided as a person that I am not going to enforce this rule. It's like, it's the same thing that's happened with, you know, it's like, oh, white people can drive through a neighborhood at night. But if a black guy does it, then he's getting arrested. It's like, it's the same thing. You cannot have different rules based on who's enforcing them. Just say, hey, pass interference is a tough call. If we don't see it on the field, we're not making the fucking call. And then people to have an argument that this is a consequence of changing the rule that we didn't see coming. We didn't see coming. The coaches would be able, why not? It happened week one, it happened in the fucking preseason. Coaches are throwing the flag going, look at that pass interference. How did you not see this coming? How did you not see coming that if you move where the kickoff happens, people are going to kick pop-ups and you're actually going to get more returns?
1: Because the problem with the NFL as a whole, and and this is what still is kind of mind-blowing, that it's so successful as a league and that football is the most popular sport in America, and obviously it's growing globally as well. They don't do any self-examination. They really don't. They don't look at things how they can improve and make it that much better. And that's the problem with the league. They're always a step behind. This is the truth. If you if you compare it to other sports, right? I, I can't speak for hockey, but if you compare it to baseball and basketball, they are they do not face these same problems as far as the mm-hmm. review. And the calls now. I know maybe may in Major League Baseball, obviously there's a debate whether the ump should be robots or not. But I'm saying this is time in and time out a consistent problem that is affecting games, and there needs to be consistency. There's zero consistency. There's zero accountability.
2: And, and I just don't understand why the the idea is before two minutes a coach has to challenge it after two minutes. We make the call. There should just be an umbrella rule. If something is blatant that we missed, we have a referee watching. If if the announcers and the people that are running NBC and CBS and Fox can get a replay between plays and have Tony Romo or Dan Fouts or whoever, or Troy Aikman say, that's a blatant missed call. Then in that same amount of time, a professional referee who's watching the game should also be able to see that and they should stop play R- blatant 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 missed calls i'm not saying oh this is re-. if it's borderline make the guys throw the flag if it's borderline after 2 minutes let the guys throw— but if there's a blatant missed call yeah. why is that even on the coach why is it why does he have to make the decision to challenge it how about just say We're going to fuck up blatant shit because what we're trying to do is have fair play here.
1: Well, look, man.
2: The booth can review at all times a 100% of plays. I don't care what the rules are. They can review everything. They can rule forward passes, spots, holds, blatant things. They can always blatantly make corrections.
1: Technology, bro. It's ruining everything.
2: That's what it comes back to, though.
1: Technology – We've had this discussion before, where I was like, "Forget, forget replays," and obviously that ship has sailed. But you, know, that was always my big thing was that, dude, replay. Where does it end?
2: That's why you have to be so careful to not have a reactionary rule change. Yeah, to one in a hundred-year blatant no-call, where now pass interference—it's very easy. Don't change the rule that pass interference is challengeable. Change the rule that at any time, the eye in the sky can reverse a blatant fuck-up.
1: I wonder how the NFL does this. I'm being serious. I wonder how... Because as a brand, as a company, you always have people who are going to do some sort of analysis of what you're doing as a company, right? So if you run Starbucks you're always looking for ways to improve, right? But I assume you have some sort of assessment team that is hired. My question is, where, where is the NFL in this? Like, Who is this assessment team that is evaluating week by week a sport that, again, is being viewed by millions of people to have blatant missed calls or blatant wrong calls or refusal to admit when you're wrong? This just cannot happen as a sport and as a brand But who knows? I think we're all part of the problem. That's the last thing I'll say about it. Because we all continue to watch, guys. I hate to say it. We're all guilty. Because if I go to a restaurant that I don't like, or I think is overpriced, and I think the service sucks, I don't go there again. But we continue to watch this shit. So we're all guilty. And I think until we basically stop watching it and stop doing our fantasy leagues and stop doing our survivor pools. They're not going to change anything because why should they? Because we're all guilty, right? The ratings are there. The money's there.
2: But, you know, you got, when you're a big business like the NFL, which is a huge business, you have to start thinking long, long term. I agree. At some point during this season, every team gets burned by this horrific rule change and these horrific refs. So if every team... Loses five fans over it this year, which is a nothing number. No one cares. But look down the line. If you're a fan and five, six, seven years in a row, you're just sitting through game after game, gambling on survivor pools, losing money in your fantasy league because of just blatant disrespect for fair play, in the long term, it does fuck with you. And in the long term, they will lose fans. To me, the NFL, with the amount of money they make, everything has to be in the long view. I agree. That's why I think that, again, we go go back to it. That's why I said when it happened, the Kaepernick thing was a horrific decision for the long term. In the short term, you're catering to a vocal minority that's saying, we're not coming to games while these black bastards are kneeling and writing letters because who writes letters still but old-ass fucking dorks. And you're disregarding the long term. Which is the majority of your league is young black athletes, many of whom are world class athletes that could probably play a lot of other sports. Why would you ever put yourself in a position to threaten that? To threaten young black athletes from wanting to do your sport when you've already got a CTE issue and you've already got, there's a million reasons to not play football other than if you come here and you say something we don't like, we can take your whole life away from you. Fuck you. I'll go play basketball.
1: Well, we'll see. I'll be interested if this does play out, like you're saying, the long-term effects of the blatantly wrong calls
2: that you see. I mean, look at boxing. Boxing for years and it's years and years. It's dead. Everybody said, boxing, every fight's fixed. Everything's fucked. It's dead. The, the UFC is... St- Stealing stealing everything. Everything from boxing. It's all UFC now. Because you know what the thing all is? All MMA. As, as much as the MMA has its own fucking weird issues on like why fights happen and who whatever. In the end, the majority of MMA fights and because somebody gets knocked the fuck out or taps out. And there's really nothing you can do to argue that. You can't say he didn't give up yeah, or there, he didn't go unconscious. There's no ambiguity. The, the, the ambiguity of how many boxing matches end in like a bunch of guys dancing around and three people who have money involved in the situation deciding? Yeah, it's why boxing is, for the most part, completely dead. Yeah, you're right. That's a good. That's a good analogy. And, and for years, people go, "Boxing's not going anywhere, man. The heavyweight champion of the world is still everywhere you go. You're the fucking champ, man. Who's the heavyweight champion of the world, Andy? I
1: have no clue.
2: Twerks. No idea. I have no idea." We're three fucking sports guys. Growing up, my dad got every big boxing match on pay-per-view. I have no idea who the heavyweight champion of the world is. Yeah, I mean it's a long-term issue that they. Try I don't to think solve I, could,
1: with- I I don't think I could name three big boxers. I could name easily three. You know, three plus big golfers or tennis players. Other sports I don't watch. It's a major problem. Yeah. Heavyweight, I should say. Maybe I know some of the other guys. Okay, well, let's move on from the NFL.
2: I got to do one thing for the NFL before we go. I know, uh, you know, I've always been accused of being a Giants homer, but I just need to give you a nug-nug. A That's what I'm calling my, uh, my nugs that I find when I'm high. Nug-nugs. This one. Giants running back. We all agree Saquon Barkley's a, a fucking— Incredible running back. Maybe, like, I mean, you, as a non Giants homer, called him the best running back in football last year. I did. I think we all know he's a generational talent. Giants running back Saquon Barkley had negative 13 rushing yards before contact on Sunday, the fifth fewest by a player since ESPN began tracking it in 2007. He was contacted at or behind the line of scrimmage on 11 of 13 runs. Daniel Jones, Mr. fucking he runs 22 miles an hour and mobile quarterback and whatever, sacked six times yesterday. I just want to point out that I have been saying for a very long time that Eli Manning didn't wake up. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Hold on. That Eli Manning didn't wake up washed one day. I also don't think Saquon Barkley is washed. And I don't think that Daniel Jones came out of college pre-washed. The Giants' offensive line has been horrific for the better part of a decade. And I've been saying that, and that Saquon Barkley nug-nug is literally all you need to know about how horrific the Giants' offensive line has been. And I, I just think that everybody—I wish Eli Manning were on Twitter because I think everybody— owes the man a written apology and should give the man a written apology. A written apology for what? For blaming him and making him the scapegoat for the Giants' lack of success the past couple years and looking at his win-loss totals the last few years and looking at his turnovers and his just general lack of quality play and say, this is, they need to move on. It's a wash issue.
1: Joe, let me ask you this. God damn it.
2: God damn it.
1: You say we got to keep this show short. We got so much shit to cover. And you bring up fucking Eli.
2: I'm just saying it's not really even about Eli Manning. It is about Eli. It's about that the way people judge across sports. Too many people look at results and not too many people look at all that goes into making the fucking meal. There's a, Your steak can be cooked perfectly. If somebody takes a shit in your mashed potatoes, your meal fucking sucks. I'm going to ask you this.
1: Did they make the right decision to bench Eli? No. Okay, we
2: disagree there, 100%. Okay. And the reason is Daniel Jones. Who's playing, he's turning the ball over a lot. A lot because he's getting fucking hammered.
1: He also threw four touchdowns yesterday. Yeah, He's done that twice. He's thrown 15 touchdown passes. He's more elusive in the pocket. He got sacked six
2: times yesterday. He's still more elusive than Eli. Okay. C- correct? Yeah. And how and how has that played out for him? Elusive in the pocket. He's leading the league in fumbles, and he got six, sacked six times yesterday. And by the way, I'm not putting that on Daniel Jones great for Daniel Jones, but you know what I don't want in my quarter, my rookie quarterback in the future of our franchise? I don't want this guy seeing ghosts as Sam Darnold says, or coming in next year not knowing what the fuck to do because the guy's living under duress.
1: But overall, I, I just that's mind-blowing to me that you don't think they should have benched Eli. Overall, again, you're going to take your lumps as a rookie. We all agree. For the most part. Especially when you're on a bad team. And he's definitely taking his lumps, but I'd say overall, I'd give him a, a B on how he's playing. So he's playing pretty well overall. The fact that you would still rather have Eli is to me, dude, you're holding on, man. Because you're there. Because, but but look, again, look at all this great
2: experience that he's getting. What is great about getting murdered? The line will. If this guy gets hurt this year, will I be wrong? He got sacked six times yesterday. Will I be wrong if Daniel Jones breaks his fucking tears his ACL this year? Will I be wrong? Every snap you put him out there behind this offensive line puts him in that position. But, but Joe, here we are. are. Am I wrong? That Saquon Barkley, generational talent, is getting hit behind the line strips. He has a high ankle sprain that he's playing through. It is a disastrous situation. It's a dis it's not bad. It's He's hit 11 out of 13 times before he reaches the line of scrimmage. You're putting your quarterback in danger. You're putting the guy you drafted six overall, who's the future of your franchise, in danger. Because they are horrific. And they have been horrific for five seasons.
1: And that's fine, but I just... I don't... We're just going to disagree, and that's fine. I just do not...
2: So you don't think the Giants have two wins with Eli Manning?
1: I think this much. I think they made the right call. It's time to move on from Eli. and Because why? Of his play? I don't think Eli... He was at the end of his career, dude. Yeah.
2: He had the last year of his contract left with the New York football Giants. They're paying him to fucking watch. I just think the only reason to move on here is if you can move Eli for something, which they obviously did not try to do. And I think stupidly because all you have to do is say, guys, this guy isn't done. We're fucking bad, bad. We're horrendously bad. The The fact that Eli Manning isn't sacked six times behind this offensive line in the last couple of years is a testament to Eli Manning, which is exactly my point With when you look at a team like the Bears, the Colts, the a hundred teams who are starting full-on question marks okay, at well, quarterback Joe, the, who the, could be contending. But again, Joe, if
1: there was such demand for Eli, he would have been traded for. No, it, he
2: has a no-trade clause.
1: Okay, well, he could improve a trade, and I'm sure he'd want to get out of New York situation. He could approve a trade, and he wouldn't have been benched. So you're. all I'm saying is all arguments would point to Everyone's saying they don't want him, including the New York Giants. They don't want him to start, and you're basically you're just disagreeing with him. So and, let, that's, and that's so fine. So I
2: got to ask you a question because we watched it on Thursday night. Philip Rivers, whether you like it or not, he threw, did a, threw eleven interceptions in that game. He, he t- threw a, a eleven interceptions. He had in a that terrible
1: game. game.
2: Is Philip Rivers washed, and f- should Philip Rivers be benched immediately? And they should draft a quarterback next year to replace Philip Rivers. No, no. Why?
1: Well, Philip Rivers is by far played better than Eli the last few years, so that comparison is ridiculous to me.
2: But suddenly, Philip Rivers' offensive line has some injuries. F- suddenly, Philip Rivers' defense has some injuries. Suddenly, Philip Rivers' running back is sitting out a couple games, and suddenly, Philip Rivers isn't playing as well as he did on a thirteen and three team when his team isn't quite at the talent level. And if that was Jameis Winston's game on Thursday you'd be on fucking fire today. Phillip Rivers took a hot shit in that game. I agree. He threw, I mean, the amount of dropped interception in that game was remarkable. Why is he not washed? Because he's not doing that
1: consistently like Eli was doing. That's why he had a terrible game. I 100% agree. He played awful. I threw a lot of his bad picks up on social media. He had a terrible game. Eli was doing that for years, dude.
2: Yeah, because they've been bad for years, dude.
1: I just think there's so many holes in what you're saying because it's like you always tell me to pick a lane, but it's
2: like— But you're but you, this is precisely what you did with the Colts. You, lo, you love now. You've, you've become a Jacoby Brissett supporter. One and nine with the Colts two years ago. Played bad. Well, how are you on the train? Because the Colts are now a good team with a good coach and a good offensive line and a decent defense and a good running back, and now you believe you can do it. You just like me said, Jacoby Brissett not going to work out, and we were basing that on team was trash, he was trash. That's what I'm saying. Like I just,
1: dude, my, you're the only one holding on to this. You're not, literally the only one in the I'm not world. The only one holding on. Who's to
2: holding on to, to Eli? What I'm, and and this is precisely why I need to talk about it. Guys, wins and losses, are you can't just use them in a fucking vacuum. When a team is just straight up trash and you're judging the quarterback, you're wrong. You're wrong and you're bad at watching sports. You're bad at it. You're bad at watching sports if you think, oh, well, why isn't this quarterback better when his offensive line is horrendous? When his defense is horrendous? horrendous
1: but when someone like russell wilson gets sacked all the time russell
2: wilson has a good offensive line gets sacked all the time because he holds on to the ball too much see again
1: pick a lane dude either 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 the sacks are on the quarterback or they're not i i don't get it
2: saquon barkley is getting tackled in the backfield on 11 of 13 runs the seattle seahawks have led the league in rushing yards every year well,
1: that's not true, first of all.
2: Do you see how offensive lines can be judged? And by the way, it's
1: a lot. you talk to any offensive lineman, it's much easier to run block than pass block. I've seen multiple people since you said, oh, it's the same thing. It's not. Talk to any offensive lineman. Downfield blocking on the run versus pass protection is
2: completely no different. No one's saying they're not completely different, but I'm saying it's ludicrous and I've blocked people on Twitter for this, for saying you're going to have... I'm not saying you can't have a, a guard who's a, you know, a top 10% run blocker and a, and a middle-of-the-pack pass blocker, but the idea that Seattle Seahawks fans want to claim they have five guys on the offensive line who are elite run blockers and horrific pass blockers is ludicrous. How do you even find five guys that are the outliers on both. How do you even put together five guys that you go, this guy is a world-class run blocker and the single worst pass blocker at his position? Now, we'll get to Russell Wilson in our call, I see, from a Seattle Seahawks fan. I don't, get, I have been, I don't,
1: I don't even know if we're going to get the I calls. Have been, we're talking Eli. We're not even going to get the calls today. This show's going this on too This isn't even long. about
2: Eli Manning. Yes, it is. No, you, it isn't. You brought up Eli, It's not dude. about Eli Manning. It's about judging people in sports beyond the the surface of it.
3: Ugh, the LeBron, doesn't even play
2: defense anymore. He's a washed defender. He's giving it up. He's lazy. He's slow. We can't Is LeBron going to win defensive player of the year this year? Is he washed or isn't he? It's almost like his team fucking sucked. And he had no help from anybody defensively. So, what is it? Did LeBron suddenly find the fountain of youth? Is LeBron an HGH or is LeBron suddenly healthy with a rim protector on his team? Not healthy, no rim protector, healthy rim protector. Suddenly LeBron's an elite defender again? You see how stupid it is to go washed defender? If you said that last year, you don't understand sports.
1: What this is about. By the way,
2: Philip Rivers, not washed. Philip Rivers, offensive line, not as good as it's been. Matthew Stafford, not a fucking choker. Not, not overrated. Detroit Lions suck dick at football. Barry Sanders left early. Megatron left early. Charles Rogers left fucking earth early yesterday. Too soon. The Detroit Lions fucking suck.
1: I know, but at a certain point, we also both agree your quarterback has to win some games at a certain point. He just does. So, so there is a fine line that we're always going to walk with these discussions. At a certain point, your quarterback has to show up in the playoffs, right? At a certain point, your quarterback, even with a shit team, has to win some games,
2: But when they're horrifically bad, that's the way it goes. Guys, I'm just saying, fucking keep it together. Look at the whole fucking picture. Jared Goff shouldn't have gotten $200 million. Eli Manning wasn't washed. The team fucking sucks. Or or maybe Saquon Barkley's washed. That was fast. But, it's, but again, I, I. This is stupid. I, I. I'm done. It's just. It's just your. It's. It. It does. It comes back to Eli, dude. It's like no. It comes back to how people judge sports on a surface level. Do in, be better,
1: including every general manager, including every person involved with the New York Giants who said we're going to bench him.
2: Every single person's. How wrong. are the New York Giants doing?
1: They're not a good team. I'm not going to disagree there. <laughs>
2: Their but, defense is horrible. Their offensive line is horrible. But
1: again, if Eli was in such demand, they dude he'd be traded.
2: He would be. And, and honestly, if you're Ryan Pace, GM of the Bears, you should be fired for not having called the New York Giants. Because guess what? You gave away—this is how we started the show. You gave away first-round draft picks to get Khalil Mack to have a defense. And now everybody agrees it's— Mitchell Trubisky is the problem. Agree or disagree? What is the problem with the Chicago Bears? They had a dominant defense last year. Now they're probably going to miss the playoffs.
1: But but let's let's look at a history real quickly. Fuck it, we're already down this. Fuck the rundown. If we're already down this thing, let's look at a history of quarterbacks towards their end of their career who did get traded or did go somewhere else. Peyton pa- Manning, Peyton Manning, Joe Montana, Joe Montana, right. They were wanted. Teams wanted them because they thought they could add them. So you're saying just everyone's missing the mark on
2: Eli? That's my no, po- that's no, my no, no, question no, no, to no, you. No, 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 no. And, and just like Eli, no, no sorry, you're, you're confused. Not everybody's missing the mark. Many teams have a quarterback, and many teams have uh had had didn't have a quarterback and tried to address their quarterback problem. If the Jacksonville Jaguars said, "Hey, Nick Foles is younger, Nick Foles is cheaper, not really cheaper, but." He just won. We're going to take Nick Foles. Great. Okay. I'm not killing the Jacksonville Jaguars for not signing Eli Manning, for not trying to trade for Eli Manning. They didn't have to trade anything to get Nick Foles. Okay? Great. Good for them. I'm not saying Eli Manning should be the quarterback of the Houston Texans or the Detroit Lions or the Seattle Seahawks. I'm not even saying Eli Manning should be the, the, the quarterback of the Los Angeles Rams. Although I think they'd be better.
1: I don't. Okay. And I don't like golf. I don't think they're any better with Eli. Okay. I, I Again, I just think it's just, it's just a bias that you have.
2: Okay. I don't think it's a bias. I think it's all out there for anybody to see if you look literally past the surface. But that's just me. I also have been ride or die for fucking Derek Carr. I've been ride or die for fucking Matthew Stafford. Suddenly, Derek Carr's playing great football again. Woo, look at that. Remember when he had the great offense line, they made the playoffs? Fuck, he was good. Last couple years, dumpster fire. How dare you even fucking bring him up? Well, Joe,
1: of course your team affects your play and especially your coach and your system. But again... At a certain point, if there's a demand for someone like Eli, then teams would inquire.
2: Hey, maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. And I got to say, you stole money from your fans if you got one of those teams that has a legit defense and can be a contender. And you went, he's washed. He can't get it done behind the worst offensive line in football.
1: But there's a reason I brought up... Okay,
2: well, you just lost your survivor pool because you went with the Brian Hoyer Colts. So, no, good I did. luck with that.
1: I did, and there's a good chance I would have lost also with Eli.
2: But, good chance, but, although but my point is Hoyer this. wouldn't have been in the game, that's for sure. There's
1: a reason I brought up his older brother and Joe Montana, which you knew where I was going. The reason is those guys, just like Eli, had won Super Bowls, and there was still value in them joining different franchises. I'm just going to... Fucking double triple down on if there was value for eli he would have went somewhere
2: okay and the reason that peyton manning and joe montana were able to move on from their teams when they did was the exact same what is it you know the guys that were behind them were hall of famer steve young who by the way was a dumpster fire when he was on the tampa bay buccaneers can't believe it and the first overall pick And what everybody agrees is the best quarterback prospect we've had coming out of college in literally forever in Andrew Luck because Peyton Manning got hurt and cost their team the whole season. So you had two guys. You're going with Daniel Jones, who I like, and going, we're going to let Eli Manning sit the bench. Okay. I think a year of experience... Good. I hope he doesn't get hurt because Eli's not going to be here next year. And this guy is. I hope he doesn't get hurt. I hope he doesn't get a high ankle sprain like Saquon Barkley. Because Saquon Barkley is a generational running back that Uh, 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 may have been, may have been, we may have been, we might lose not only part of Saquon Barkley's prime, but now we might have an injured Saquon Barkley when the team, if ever gets right. Because we drafted a running back and we put him behind a horrible O line, dude. Those are the chances you're going to take. I mean, a running if back. You're a terrible, terrible run. Fucking. I mean, look like every decision's been wrong.
1: I'm just saying. Look at Todd Gurley. Like you're taking a chance every time you step on that field, especially at the running back position. You're taking that chance.
2: Oh gotta love football. I just want consistency, guys. I want the washed Philip Rivers memes. You know who
1: is uh you know who I consistently like and who I use to trim my balls. That's right, Joe. We're going straight into an ad read. Guys, support from Dirty Sports comes from our friends at Manscaped, who is the best in men's Below the belt grooming, Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. And you know what I love about Manscaped is this is the greatest gift for the holiday season. They even have a little funny saying they have: "Jingle balls to the walls, fellas." Untripped pubes are a thing of the past. By the way, they have the best ad reads. They let us say whatever hell we want, uh, guys. I love Manscaped. They are one of our uh, great advertisers now, our great sponsors. The Lawn
2: Mower 2.0. The
1: Lawn Mower 2.0. The lawn,
2: by the way, is your balls and taint.
1: Yes, that's right. So we we have that, which is amazing. What else do I'm we I'm so ha-
2: hairy, I need a riding mower. <laughs> we <laughs> we have have the. Cr- we get a Manscaped riding mower? <laughs> we have our
1: amazing crop cleanser, the invigorating hair and body wash. We have our crop reviver that you put after you trim the old shaft and balls and then also the crop preserver which is the anti-chafing ball deodorant
2: i love manscapes i'm not gonna lie manscaping always hard for me as a hairy italian man sometimes when i would manscape i'd think about going to home depot and hiring a couple guys from outside to help me manscape yeah now i just got the lawnmower 2.0 the safety razor all this stuff to spray and spread on me after yeah Guys, tis the You guys want to see it? Do you want to see it? No, no, no. <laughs>
1: Keep it in your pants. Tis the season to Manscaped, so get yourself, your dad, your brother, and your friends the best gift of all. The Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code DIRTY at Manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. That's M-A-N-S-C. A-P-E-D.com, promo code DIRTY. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code DIRTY at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use promo code DIRTY. Clean your nuts and make Santa proud this year. And uh, no joke, I love Manscaped. Again, even before they were a sponsor of the show, this is true, I bought the products on my own because I had seen them on Shark Tank and I have never nicked my testicles. In fact, Manscaped is so amazing. During the ad read, Aaron went into the bathroom. I believe, I hope he's not using my lawnmower 2.0 because I have my own, but he could be shaving his balls. Oh, there he is. He's out of the bathroom. He apparently shaved his balls quickly using my lawnmower 2.0. So go to manscaped.com and drop promo code DIRTY. Okay. I want to get to Coach O. He's been patiently waiting on the line, but. Do we want to get to him now or, do, or can we discuss this Dion Waiters story real quick?
2: Dion yeah, yeah, sure.
1: Okay. Coach O. Aaron, if you could let Coach O know, please. Yeah, I appreciate it. That he's he's gonna wait a few minutes, and then we'll get a Coach O. Uh this is one of my favorite stories I've seen in a while. Uh Dion Waiters for the Miami Heat. OD'd on gummies. We all know I am a O Dion. <laughs> we all know I am a big fan of the gummies. I like to use those, uh like to partake in those. He took too many on his flight from Miami out to L.A. before the game this week, and he had a severe panic attack, and uh, he's now been suspended 10 games. But the good news is that he is not a snitch. Did you see this? No, why? They wanted to find out where he got the gummies. He refused to reveal his sources. Although I'll say it's legal in a lot of states, so he probably just went to a local dispensary.
2: Yeah. Should have said he just bought them while he was here, and he was using them because he was coming back to another legal state. And he was in international error, so he uh, figured it would be safe to take it. This is hilarious. It's everybody's got everybody that's ever taken edibles has has the story, right? Oh yeah. Probably got on this flight. Probably had some. Probably had some post game meal in his stomach. Ate some gummies. Yeah. Didn't work. Took some more. Food finally digests. <laughs> it gets to the gummy portions. Now he's loaded up. Hits you all at once, and boom, you're freaking out
1: freaking out man but i'll say this it's also a reminder why i have never taken gummies on a flight or before a flight because this always scares me i've thought about it multiple times especially on cross-country flights but oh man i'll pop a little gummy
2: it's really easy though like once you once you make this mistake it's really easy especially now now that we are I, i don't love that it's gone legal now everything comes in a prepackaged thing. Like, you can't just go and look through big jars anymore. Everything's prepackaged. Everything's got the milligrams, got the percentage on it. But especially with these edibles, you know exactly how much. Figure out how much you take. Make sure, like, you know, have a light meal. Yeah, but If you have a lot in your stomach, it takes a while to get through there. But hold on. This is what If you have nothing in your stomach, it's going to affect you. It's like drinking.
1: I agree. Don't
2: drink on an empty stomach either. It
1: is like drinking, but I like my very small, I'm a lightweight, I'm a lush, my five milligram gummies that I get. Normally I'm fine. That one five milligrams that I took on Halloween put me in a different atmosphere bro you saw it that night I couldn't even talk so my response to that would be how come that night did you eat before I did
2: did you eat a lot
1: I mean what's a lie I I didn't carb up I had like a big salad with steak like a steak salad my point is that night I was next level it's not like you were
2: having a panic attack
1: no but I didn't I haven't fully I I thought I was seeing people
2: five milligrams by the way Jesus Christ I'm such a
1: lightweight I'm such a lightweight that I'm 160 pounds. I mean, what do you expect? Like, it doesn't take much.
2: It also just affects everybody differently. I know people who like straight up will not get high from edibles. I know people. Who, and then you got fucking Joey Diaz or whatever. who takes like a 20,000. Like this isn't because he's like, so he's built up his tolerance so much. Yeah, that's part of it. But also you don't build up your tolerance to 2000 milligrams. It also just has less of an effect on him. Deion Waiters, man, you're in the NBA. Fucking figure this shit out, bro. That's why every team needs a fucking Joe Preno. Can an NBA team just hire me to be fucking the Harvey Keitel, just like the wolf of your team? Guy, okay, here's how much edibles he take. I got I got this all in my little fucking black book. You're you're a 20 milligrammer, all right. Stop getting on the flight. Also, do we know did he get on the flight? Take a bunch of edibles and then start throwing back some fucking, you know, scotch and sodas. Is that his normal thing? Like, Yeah. I don't know. Five milligrams, not a lot. I bet you if Wade Boggs had taken five milligrams and then had 80 cores Lights on his flight, he would have been fucked up too.
1: Yeah, I don't know why that messed me up so much. Five milligrams is literally nothing. What do you take?
2: I mean, a, a 15-er for me is like... Fifteen er for me on like a good having a nice meal. 15 that gets me you know if I, if I don't have too much in my stomach, it hits me. Can I be in honest a, a little bit, and it keeps me going through the day.
1: I think what affects your brain and how you act on edibles is a lot of what's going on in your life. does that make sh- does sure. that make sense? Sure I think because there, there's plenty of nights where I've had 10 milligrams where I've been under more control.
2: You mean there's a lot of other factors than just the number?
1: That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. So this is my Andy Ruther theory. Is it really what if, I just said? <laughs> but but I'm saying if you're dealing with stuff, yeah. outside issues. So if Dion Waiters is dealing with some personal issues or some family issues, it because the marijuana affects your brain. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's gonna maybe affect how you react.
2: Yeah. Like if you had 10 milligrams and you're just chilling on the beach, you might be fine. That's what I'm saying. Right. If you had five. And your offensive line sucks, and a bunch of guys are running at you all the time. You might have a panic attack,
1: yeah, I had a ma- like I was getting near that point, bro, too many people. it was Halloween costumes, I was wearing sunglasses, you know you get to like do you remember me four twenty a few years ago?
2: yeah, I do.
1: I ate multiple
2: five you were so high you gave your weed away. <laughs> Like, welcome to the Dodger Shade. And you're like, I have drugs. Please take my drugs away. Unbelievable. You were the Jameis Winston of fucking weed that day. You're just <laughs> like, take it. I don't want it. Two more INTs for him, by the way. Yeah. But they won. Should have been more. Yeah.
1: Uh, in other NBA related drug news, did you see this? I, I was like, I wonder what Prano's going to say about this This Jeremy Roenick story about. Michael Jordan, did you follow this? No, you didn't see this. No, oh, I thought for sure printer would love a take on this.
2: No, what's what was the claim? Jeremy Ronick claims Jordan had ten beers the morning of an NBA game. So
1: Jeremy, Ro- is it Rainick? Ronick? I don't know. We're not hockey guys. Ronick. Ronick. Yeah. So he went on a uh, hockey
2: guys. We're not hockey guys. He went on. He went on a is radio. Is it? Sh- is it- Gretzky or Gretzky? I'm not hockey guy. Well, he went
1: on a radio show last week in Chicago, and, and he he was boys with Jordan because at the time he was playing for the Blackhawks. And uh, they played two 18 rounds of golf. That's not
2: me. It's Ronick. Please continue.
1: <laughs> they played two 18 rounds of golf the day of a game. Uh huh. And then he claims Jordan also drank 10 beers. And then Jordan was losing to him in golf. like Jordan lost a bunch of money. And then he claims that then Jordan went on to play, and Jordan said, "Jordan said, let's let's like double or triple or nothing, whatever it is, tonight's game." Which, by the way, is illegal. Right. Which I, this is why I thought you'd have such a good take, because because it's like, oh, you know, everybody likes to shit on LeBron, but all he cares about is like his body. But Jordan's getting drunk. Well, first of all,
2: two like, uh, uh, even if you're too... Huge athletes and they clear the course for you. We're talking about six hours of golf. Yeah. Minimum. Six hours of golf, you're going to play 36 holes.
1: So this is in 1992. Right. This is in the middle of the Bulls.
2: Six hours of golf, that's, you know, a beer and a half an hour. It's not like he's drunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like if I started in the morning, do you know how many beers I could have in a day and not get drunk? I could have 50 beers in a day and never be drunk. Well Because we're talking two beers an hour Still My point is he played two, two 18 rounds of golf Yeah, He goes out
1: They believe they've pinned this on the March 28th 1992 game Jordan dropped 44 points and the Bulls won by 24 And the bet was Jordan said we're going to win by at least 20 tonight Against the Cavs And he's like no way You've had a few beers You've been on the golf course in the sun all day And they did
2: I mean, good for Jordan. Like, I, like I'm, you know, I know I'm uh, sort of a LeBron truther, but Michael Jordan was the former goat, and uh, ten beers. Like, I think, I think the betting on the game also. Fucking, like, I don't give a shit. Like, good for you. You should be able to bet on yourself. Why not? Um, obviously, don't bet against yourself. Yeah, that you know, there's a little bit of that. I've always said, good bet on yourself, and like, but again, ten beers over the course of two rounds of golf is a little. He's not the goat drinker, that's for sure. I've had ten beers in one round of golf. How
1: many beers you say you
2: could have over a twenty-four hour period and not get drunk? I could have fifty beers. Over what twelve-hour period? No, I'm saying over tw- like over a day, like in a, in a, in the in a single day, I could have fifty beers and never reach legal drunkenness.
1: I completely disagree with okay. that. I feel like we need to test this out. I
2: mean, there's there is a math equation you can do for this, like how many beers you're supposed to have. Like every hour. Are you you
1: sleeping or are you awake for 24 hours? It
2: will have no effect either way. But the thing is, it's about pacing it out. If I'm up for 24 hours and I have two beers an hour and I eat, I would bet you I don't reach like 1.2 or whatever the fuck that is. I guarantee you would. Let's do it. Two beers an hour.
1: It'll eventually catch up, though.
2: That's not how it works. Eventually, your your body's always running against it. Two beers an hour. I mean, twerks. Do the ma- I'm sure they're do an al- Put an alcohol calculator. I'm um, I'm t- um, approximately 200 pounds,
1: dude. Even even if even just you're saying even if. <sighs> I just feel like your body would eventually
2: just I'll, t- I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing for sure. I'll have 50 beers in a 24-hour period and do a and do a fucking roads and pass a roadside sobriety test with flying colors the entire day.
0: So, 50 beers and you're saying 24 hours? Uh, that puts you at approximately 0.93%
2: the legal limit's what these days. Point, point .1 or 1.0 no. or no. I thought it was point, point .8. Point .8. Let's 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 just agree point .8 is r- of is fucking disgusting that they're that's the standard they're holding me to. Or is
0: it .08? Oh. Oh it's point oh .08. Exactly. Yeah. Point oh eight. So okay. okay. .93 is high. I don't know. So you're
1: way higher. That's my point. If if, if you could get pot for a DUI at point zero .08, then .93 you're way over that.
0: This doesn't take into account like what you said, food and water and anything. But that's what it says. 0.93? That's what it says. Yeah, fifty beers, twenty four hours, zero minutes. Male. Dude, of course pounds.
1: it's dude. It'll catch up to you in five hours. If you had two beers an hour for five hours, it's going to catch up to you. Okay.
2: It looks like we got a challenge. Looks like you have a dirt ball challenge.
1: So then, how do we gauge the challenge though?
2: I'm going to drink, and throughout the we should have a we should have a. Off-duty police officer, give me a roadside sobriety test every hour. Do you know any off-duty police officers? I'm sure we can find one.
1: I know one. His name's Lieutenant Dangle. (laughs) Put on that sheriff's outfit, give you a little one-on-one off-duty sobriety test. Aaron, is Coach O on the phone yet? Did we get him? He's there? Well, guys, if you didn't watch the game, I, I feel bad for you. And, and anybody who didn't like the game, I Tug Coker,
2: he's turned into— I this. watched the second half. I didn't watch the first half. I was miss. I missed the entirety of what you guys—I have no idea what you guys were talking Tug
1: about. Tug Coker has—I he, he, don't know what—you know, it's fine, Tug. I think you probably had some other things going on what in your life. What was
2: his issue with the game exactly?
1: He, he just—he's turned into this, like,
2: of course you like this game, Andy. But yeah. what was the problem? It was Was it a sloppy game? Just a lot of points, right? So not a lot of defense. I only watched the second half, to be completely honest. And
1: Tug had issue with the time management for LSU in the first half. Yeah,
2: what was the what was his issue with that?
1: That they weren't running the clock down enough towards the end of the second quarter. And
2: but uh, this is on like the third to last drive, correct?
1: No, this is on the second the second quarter, the very end of the. Right. But yeah. I'm
2: saying there was a there was an LSU drive that ended with like a minute left or something less like that less than a minute they yeah, score less than a minute and then
1: bama throws an interception and they score again so what happened was bama threw an interception and lsu had just enough time to score before the end of the half right and my argument was well if they had run the clock down like you had said they wouldn't have had time after that right. interception
2: yeah i mean that's i i think i think the i think the score after the interception is Neither here nor there, to be honest with you.
1: Well, regardless, I don't know why he had issues with this game. He called it a high school football game.
2: But I mean, also, you've got to like in a, in a game in an LSU. And to be fair, I did not watch the first half, so I'm not going to attack Tug Coker, but Tug Coker by any means. I'm not like,
1: attacking, but he he's he's trying to call himself a football purist, and that I am not. Which whatever that means, Tug. I'm just taking digs so he can respond. That's what I'm doing. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. Poke the bear a little.
2: Yeah, uh, I only watched the second half. I thought it was a decent football game. I mean, it was certainly, it, it got close there in the end. Uh, Burrow was impressive. The running back on LSU was impressive.
1: Just give him the Heisman. Give Burrow the Heisman. And it was a huge win. And did you see the some of the post videos from the locker room?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I dude, I was taking in all the Coach O that I could. That but I like, could, did you
1: see the one the player had of like, fuck Roll Tide?
2: Yeah, it's great.
1: So Coach o is fired up. A lot of stuff leaked. I don't know how he feels about that. But we have Coach O on the phone. And uh, they had lost eight consecutive games to Alabama. Huge win. They should be number one this week. Coach O, are you with us?
3: Andy, I'm here. I'm here, Andy Ruther. I, I was listening to Joe Prado talk about drinking all those beers. And I need to drink some of those beers because I need to rehydrate. I've been crying for two straight days. God bless the LSU Tigers. God bless Tiger Nation. We done did it. We're eight, eight games in a row. We don't beat Alabama. The, the, the always rolling on us. I'm sick of the rolling. Put square wheels on Alabama. You ain't rolling no more. Not over these Bayou Bengals. We did it. We own that house. It's like my house now. I am I went in. I, I, I saw Coach Saban after the game in the middle of the field with a handshake. You didn't see it? You didn't see the handshake? but he, I took those keys right out of his hand. I said, this is our stadium now. We live here. I put a bunk bed in his office like J.J. Watt and Bill O'Brien. I sleep there now. I fly every day back to Louisiana to do our coaching. But I live in Nick Saban's office. I live in his head. I own. I am the governor of Alabama. In a midterm election, I have won. My seat
4: feels so good.
1: Coach, you're still crying two days later. Now, Coach, if you could try to get under control a little, I I, I do want to bring up your quarterback. I'm going to
3: try, Andy Ruther. I'm going to try.
1: Joe Burrow.
3: Joe Burrow.
1: Absolutely.
3: B U R R E A U X <laughs> Burrow. I don't think it's how it's spelled, coach. It is in Louisiana. I'm a governor of Alabama. Joe Burrow going to be governor of Louisiana. They got to give Joe Burrow a a, a a mansion in New Orleans to get down there. He he have a whole spread. The guy's amazing.
1: Coach, did he...
3: You know, I love your co-host, Joe Prano. He been saying for years, the big LSU got all the talent in the world. They keep trucking out there, these, these terrible quarterbacks. Guess what? Joe Cool, Joe Wright, Joe Burrow, Joe Prano. Joe's everywhere. And we going to the Joe Bowl. That's like the Super Bowl, but for college. Did he solidify his
1: Heisman Trophy with that win?
3: Andy Ruther, I don't even know what Joe Burrow got it. If he ain't, uh, if you ain't already give him the Heisman Trophy, then you just a uh, disres- quarterback, disrespecting motherfucker. Cause this guy, what's he supposed to do? You know who he beat? You want me? Li- you want me to list it? Short list. He beat motherfucking everybody. He did. Everybody.
1: I believe that was your guys' fourth win now, fourth against the top 10 team. No other team in the country has come close to as many wins against top 10 teams. This week, you have to be number one, right? You have to jump ahead of Ohio State. I don't
3: care. We number one, we number two, we number three, we number four. It don't matter to me. It don't matter to the Bengals. It don't matter. Give us, I don't care where we finish. As long as we finish in the top four, we get a shot. And guess what? You beat everybody, they got to give you the big crystal trophy.
1: What you going to do with that trophy, I'm gonna Coach? I'm going to throw it on the floor.
3: <laughs> it's going to explode in a million pieces. I'm going to pick up one piece and eat some of it. And then I'm going to give everybody on the team a piece of that crystal. You see this in the final four. They all cut down the net. They all take a little piece and put it in the ear. They put it on the head and take it home with them. Why we don't do this? You don't let me cut down the goalposts. <laughs> so I'm going to take that crystal ball. I'm going to throw it in there, <laughs> It's going to land on the ground. And everybody gets to take a piece home with them. I get two pieces, though, because I want to eat one, have it inside me forever. <laughs> and the other part, I'll make into an earring. I might even make two earrings. Cause I don't know which one you're supposed to, which ear you're supposed to wear anymore. They said forever. Oh, don't put it in that right ear. You know what that means? And I'm like, hey, means I'm a champion. A lot of people say the term crystal ball means you can see the future. My future is a crystal ball, crystal football in my asshole, living in my lower intestine. For all time, every time I shake, take a shit, be crystal of dust coming out of my my shit's gonna be, my shit's gonna have more sparkles in it than a stripper's, and you know strippers have it cause they put they put lid on their buttholes.
1: Coach, o, it's uh. <laughs> It's always a pleasure. It is a pleasure. It's a pleasure being on
3: this show. You guys give me a, a chance to come out and tell you what I think every week, week in, week out. I came in. I said, we're going to win that game 9-6. I said, it's going to be a defensive battle. But guess what? We came out. They scored. We scored. Then they scored. Then, then, then we scored again. I was like, ooh, we already got more than nine. This is great. And then they came out and they scored. I said, here we go. Hey, Burrow, go do your thing. Go do the dang thing. J-E-U-A, J-E-A-U-X, B-U-R-R-E-A-U-X, Joe Burrow. Coach O, always a pleasure. I'm going down to Bromart down here. You know, we got that down here. We got a Bromart. Go down there. I'm going to pick up a case of champagne. I'm going to put it on ice right now. We popping it at the end of the year. And guess what? End of the year, we pop it, putting it in those, I'm, I'm going to pour it in the little glasses for everybody on the team, and I'm going to take that little piece of crystal, I'm going to put it in that glass, I'm going to say, drink it up, boys. Drink it up. Crystal shit's forever.
1: LSU, Coach Ed Ordron. Hopefully
3: it don't cut my test or nothing like that. You know what happens when you take a bloody red shit, right? It's called it a Crimson Tide. <laughs> fuck you, Alabama.
1: <laughs> Coach O.
3: I'm getting fuck you, Alabama yeah, tattooed yeah. on my back just by the way.
1: Okay. Well, Coach, I, I think we got to run at this okay. point. Okay.
3: You run. We got to run, too. We got to run that ball off, tackle right, off, tackle left. We would run it right in the end zone.
1: Always a pleasure, Coach O. Man, I'll tell you what. I did not see. You know what I like about having Coach O on the show? I never see where the conversation's going. And I cannot believe he wants to swallow, first of all, break.
2: I can, I can 100% believe it. <laughs> <laughs> if you listen to this guy, he was talking about fucking Gators the last time he was here. That's
1: true. Unbelievable. Another wild college football news, Deion Sanders' name is being tossed around.
2: I love Deion Sanders, but this is a horrific idea. I mean, this is wild, right? Imagine having a college football team whose head coach is somebody that does not believe in tackling. That's that's a I mean, I gotta I gotta think Coach Ed Orgeron doesn't believe tackling is voluntary.
1: So obviously, I love my favorite NFL Network show is Game Day Prime Sunday nights with Dion Sanders. Even though they do it remote now, it's it's a, it's a setup. It's ridiculous. It's Chris Rose in LA. It's Dion usually in Atlanta. Anyway, they opened the show last night. I was like, how are they going to handle this? Right. The, the news leaked Thursday. What I love about they didn't hide behind it. They opened the show. Right away, Chris Rose is like, dude, what's the deal? Our own Ian Rappaport is reporting that you are. And what did he say? He goes, I have not been in any contact. I've never received a call or an email.
2: Which means I have not balled because you know if I ball,
1: <laughs> I get the call. So he said, I have not talked to Florida State. He said, however... I will coach at the next level someday. And then Chris Rose put on a Florida State hat and like he wouldn't let it die. He's like, so what and Dion was like, no, let's just get on with the show. Let's talk about NFL today. So Dion's claiming he didn't know, but I agree, look, I think this would be hilarious. And I'm just I
2: mean lo- I'm being off I don't care about college football at all. So like I'm a hundred percent for this. You would watch Florida State. For sure. For sure. That'd be fun as shit. But it's just like Deion Sanders was never really seemingly like a X's and O's guy. I mean, uh, in terms of just like freak athletic talents that are like yeah. all over, like like what you know what is Deion Sanders saying to defensive backs? I'm like, just guys, uh, be awesome, lock yeah. those guys down. They're like, any-?
1: return punts for touchdowns.
2: Yeah,
1: I mean, even last night on the NFL Network, he's wearing a giant gold prime chain, and I'm thinking. This gonna be your next coach. This gonna be your next coach. Yeah, this would be hilarious. Like, is Dion iced out in the sideline wearing a prime
2: necklace? It'd be great. I mean, I I really hope it happens. Also, let him coach the baseball team simultaneously and track. <laughs> yeah, let Dion do it.
1: Dude, it excelled at three sports. Unbelievable. Do we have time for calls,
2: Joe? Yeah, let's quick quick. Let's get let's get some quick ones. Pick your best couple. Well, you only have two. No, how many do you got lined up? I can uh, we can, we can uh, skip that first one
4: for sure. Yeah,
1: I agree. I 100% agree. I'll bust out. Uh, all right. You already alluded to this one earlier. So I will uh, I will do this one. This is CT in Seattle.
4: Gentlemen, CT in Seattle. So is the uh, Russell Wilson Cam Newton debate finally over? Go, Koops.
1: All right, is the Russell Wilson-Cam Newton debate finally over?
2: Well, the Russell Wilson-Cam Newton debate is something that we did on the show for a while. Uh, but you know,
1: you know when that started? I can tell you.
2: But let me ask you something. What, What's going on right now that makes this debate over? That Cam Newton isn't playing?
1: Well, I yeah, I'm a little confused by his question. Uh, I think... The debate was who
2: was better. Well, that, that wasn't even... that was actually, Right? That was actually never really the debate. What was the debate? So what I said... I don't even remember. And what I said about Russell Wilson and Cam Newton, two guys I've actually been very critical of, is everybody was up Russell Wilson's ass and was like, Russell Wilson's this great fucking quarterback and he's so incredible because he went to a Super Bowl and won it. And what I said of Russell Wilson that started the Russell Wilson, Cam Newton debate was, and and the reason I brought up Cam Newton is because I'm not, I'm a Cam Newton critic. The reason I brought somebody I've been critical of into the debate, I said, I'm not even a big Cam Newton fan, but give Cam Newton, this is where I think Russell Wilson is, give Cam Newton, Russell Wilson's defense, he'll go undefeated. And that I mean I thought the Russell Wilson Cam Newton debate was over when they gave him 80% of Russell Wilson's defense that very next year and he went 15 and 1 and went to the Super Bowl. Now the question is Russell Wilson is in the MVP talk. Cam Newton has an MVP. Well, that's what I was going to say.
1: Cam has an MVP.
2: But but here here's the important thing with Russell and in Cam Newton and Russell Wilson in terms of the debate that I had. I've oh, I've been critical of both. And my criticism of Cam Newton has always been this is a flawed style of play. He's not accurate. He's running off tackle on third and fourth down. But that was certainly a strategy that worked for the Panthers for a long time. But I said, you have to improve as a passer because there's no way you can do this long term And be successful. And I've been proven right in the Cam Newton portion of my criticism as it relates to just Cam Newton as a player. You can't run off tackle with your quarterback and have him survive. And now Cam Newton is hurt, benched, traded, whatever the case may be. My criticism of Russell Wilson has always been, outside of winning a Super Bowl with a defense of a decade... We're looking at ten and sixes and nine and sevens and first round playoff exits, and my criticism of Russell Wilson was he holds the ball too long. Now, I've been proven right on Cam Newton because he got hurt. And I've, in a sense, been proven right on Russell Wilson because Russell Wilson has now taken a the first ever big leap in his career of Attacking that one very specific issue I had that said this is why Russell Wilson is an elite quarterback in the league, and now he is an elite quarterback in the league, but he's still getting sacked a lot, right? but he's getting the ball out faster. he still has he still has the same issue in in that regard, which is I just think it doesn't matter how good your athleticism is, no matter how good your wheels are, or whatever, he does not need that to be. And a league quarterback in the league. Well, in my argument. So, So be a pocket passer, stand in the pocket, deliver, and lead your team. Now, we're going to see exactly how much Russell Wilson has improved because he doesn't have the best team in his division. He doesn't have the best team in the NFC. They're giving him all the. He doesn't have a good defense. They're giving him all the MVP hype. So let's see what he does. I was critical of Russell Wilson, and last year in the playoffs, Russell Wilson went over on third downs in a, in a loss to the Cowboys. Now, everybody always wants to do the play calling this, the play calling that. It's like, in the end, third down, they let him throw the ball,
0: and well, he didn't show up
2: and deliver. Well, look. Now, I also say Russell Wilson has made huge strides from this last year to this offseason, to this year.
1: He's played well this year, but. We would disagree there. I don't think he's made huge. I think I think he's always played elite. If you look at his numbers for the last few years, in fact, even the year I've seen side by side breakdowns, the
2: year that Cam won his MVP, their numbers are eerily similar. Right. In, in fact, the, <laughs> that, But that was my point of the entire. I never claimed one is. I said that these. This is the level that you should be judging this guy at. And I've never claimed Cam Newton was a top five quarterback. And I've claimed that Cam Newton has. Uh, holes in his game that will eventually show up, especially if he doesn't adjust. Um, and I was proved right. So we'll see.
1: I mean, the great thing I've loved about Russell Wilson, all that stuff aside again has been, he doesn't miss games. Knock on wood. I mean, he hasn't so far. So cam's always been injury prone, which, um, obviously takes its toll on the team. Uh, because I, I had lost track. I don't even know where that... I mean, again, that was that discussion... You, I know the first time we had that discussion. That was literally five and a half years ago.
2: Yeah. Four but, years ago. But again, ago. the reason it came up is I used an example of a guy that I didn't think was an elite quarterback and I thought had holes in his game. And I said, I'm sorry, but if you look at them, their numbers are pretty close, and their success when they have certain teams around them is pretty close. Now, Russell Wilson has a Super Bowl, but again, he he made one. And he won it with the Legion of Boom. He made another one, and w- whether you like it or not, he threw the pick to lose that game. And Cam Newton has an MVP, went fifteen one, made a Super Bowl. Like at well, the time, if Cam- they uh, were uh, at, at the, the time of way. the argument, they were right up there. So now, if Russell Wilson wins an MVP, well, Russell Wilson's clearly better than Cam Newton right now. Okay, exactly. But I'm saying, like, if he wins an MVP.
1: That my point is that takes his when you win an MVP, that takes your status as a quarterback to a whole other level, in my opinion. Because you can never, you can never take a most valuable player award away. And I'm not saying he's going to win. It's going to be this year is going to be one of the most fun years to see. There's a lot of guys right now. Obviously, Lamar Jackson's getting a ton of love. Uh, Mahomes missed two games, but shit, he threw a 436 yards, I think. But again,
2: right. th- and this is, like, it it is certainly a big thing in your legacy. And, Yo. and Russell Wilson has a couple of big legacy benchmarks already in that he won a Super Bowl, he made another Super Bowl, whatever happened in that Super Bowl and in the NFC Championship game leading up to that second Super Bowl, it's really neither here nor there because they made it. But again, This is a full resume builder in terms of winning a Super Bowl, winning an MVP. Because when you look at it on a season-by-season basis, the amount of guys who won the MVP and then won the Super Bowl isn't that high. There's not a lot of them. You mean in the same season or later? In the same season. The Peyton Manning MVP years aren't the Super Bowl years. The Tom Brady MVP years aren't the Super Bowl years. You know, it's because the thing is, a lot of times, the MVP is based on gaudy passing stats. And gaudy passing stats do not equal championship teams.
1: Do you want to do one more call? Sure. All right, Let's get to our buddy, A. Millie. You got to give him some love down in the bayou.
4: What it do, baby? It's Deuce Tall, a.k.a. A. Millie, a.k.a. that tall-ranked son-bitch from Louisiana. And it's game day, motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? Hey, kid, coach, you know what i by saying? You know, we're going to fucking stomp a mud hole the motherfucking elephant's ass today. But that's not what I'm here to talk about. I have a question. Cut Cam related. Today at the LSU Alabama get-together, wherever we're going, I have a Bobby Boucher jersey, which is SC LSU. Am I considered a cuck for wearing a Bobby Boucher jersey to a LSU game? Is, is that cut Cam? I mean, fuck. I, I just don't have an LSU jersey because they don't have fucking names. And, I mean, come on. Bobby Boucher showed up at halftime with 30-point deficit and brought the fucking Mud Dogs back to win the Boyman Bowl. Well, uh, man, that's all I got to say besides, uh, you know, go Tigers, Tiger bait. And, uh, fuck the motherfucking Alabama. Roll Tide! Roll Tide! Hey, when they say Roll Tide, it sounds like they're saying Roll Todd, like their fat-ass fucking spouse is just taking up half of the bed. Roll Tide! Roll! And in Alabama, the woman's name is Todd. I'm out.
2: A <laughs> lot, lot to digest there, but I think we'll stick with just, is it a cuck-cam move to where the Bobby Boucher no. is? No. No. It's a—that's a—, that's a... It's a novelty jersey. That's like saying you can't wear a Calvin Klein T-shirt. <laughs> like it's not, you know, what is that? Is even like the, uh, is that school from Waterboy like an actual school? No, no. So yeah, it's you're, made up. You're totally good.
1: That's a cool jersey to have, by the way. Yeah. When I heard that call, I was like, man, I want to get me a Bobby Boucher jersey. That Roll Todd thing is pretty funny. Yeah. Question, does A. Millie remember the game? Like, how fucked up was A. Millie watching the game? He remembers it. He yeah. remembers it? Yeah. Hotline is 310-359-8365. Uh, give us a ring. Shoot us your questions. Give us your input, and uh, we might get to your call. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at TheDirtySports. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Leave an iTunes review, and if you leave your Twitter or... Or Instagram handle. I will send you two koozies in the mail. You can't beat that, guys. Follow me at Andy Ruther on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow Joe on Twitter and Instagram.
2: At Joe Prano on Instagram. uh, At Fix Your Life on Twitter. JoePrano.com for shows. I am loaded up with shows from now until I leave for Tahoe. So if you want to come see a show in Los Angeles, definitely check it out. Uh, Next Tuesday at Flappers uh i'm gonna be doing a long set so if you're anywhere around hit me up i've got a a link for uh, discount tickets especially if you're a dirt ball in the la area then it's tahoe for a week at uh harvey's improv and tahoe and then to new york for a bunch of shows so if you are a new york area dirt ball, night before thanksgiving long, long, long headlining set at Lucy's Laugh Lounge in Pleasantville followed by uh, Morristown, New Jersey at the Morristown Performing Arts Center and I'm sure I'll add a bunch of shows in the city so joeprano.com if you want to come to a show and you're anywhere near any of those places.
0: Uh, Follow me on Twitter at DSInterns and follow me on Instagram at Aaron Maharis. All right, guys, that's the show. Shout out to everybody in the YouTube comment section.
1: Uh, We'll be back again on Thursday. And quick reminder, we are going to live broadcast the Bears at Rams Sunday Night Football Media Pizza Bowl from the Smut Studio. So make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube so you get that alert. All right, guys. Have a great week. Use the crosswalk before you cross the street. Be safe. And most importantly, stay dirty.